Welcome to the first, last, very whoa, makeshift. Whoa, don't, don't, don't curse it with last. I mean, there's no last about we, this. I mean, it's, I, you know how I feel. I kind of feel like, you know, the child that has just like developed a sense of balance and is trying to take its first step without, you know, the mom. And mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. it, no training wheels. it just, it just lands in a face plan, right? The bump. The bumper bars on the bowling alley, they're up. And we're we're just shooting letters, baby. Just nothing but nothing but zeros. It's yeah, it's it's going to be so okay. Let's let's address this before we like say thanks to to all the people that have helped with this. Of course, this is the first episode um without John, which means yes. we're without adult supervision. Fans of this channel will know whenever Joe and I had to do anything, it was mega scuffed. And we are in a transitional period. I think a bunch will change uh, anyway in, in terms of like how this thing is set up. A bunch of stuff is set in motion um, where we don't know where, where this is going and we'll have, a, uh, ha have to have a discussion with this. So this is basically like still scuffed crouch without John, with a lot of John still in this. And mm. we'll figure it out over the coming weeks. We'll see where, where this goes, and uh, as far as that goes, um, nothing much. Maybe we won't even get it to next week. You know, knowing us, it, Joe? Like, be, who knows? You know, maybe we're here next week. Maybe we show up on Friday. You know, life's, <laughs> life has many doors, Ed Boy. All I have to say, right? Yeah. But you know who doesn't have a ton of doors because he lives in a place with only a few doors? That's... Mr. Hurix, also famous contenders cast. Bikes don't have Is that doors. My intro? That's I don't know. I was just making sure that you <laughs> at least got introduced before we immediately jumped into the podcast and nobody knew who was on the show. This seems really fitting with our tech rehearsal that we just had. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Just the really hardest fitting. of transitional, just like, hey, make sure he's here. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm here. Happy to be here. Uh uh, unfortunate to be here as well, I guess, a little bit with you too. <laughs> yes, very <Hey>. much so. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Speak your truth, you know. I mean, we, like, it's it's not like we invited you because you, you know, like we know ah, it's just it's your ex. Like we you know? invited you. Period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're very much like. I I thought there was would be a way smoother experience than it ended up being. But for now, <laughs> it, we'll it'll make get do. There. It'll get there. And then we'll bring it back on and it'll be much easier and for you sure. won't have to for sure. deal with us. If, if it works well, out how we're planning, there will be a much smoother transition anyway. Is, so. You guys are assuming you're going to want to bring me back after this. You don't know. You don't know what I'm about to say. You have no idea. I mean, true, but it's also probably <laughs> not going to be worse what we are going to say that during this episode. So bless up he thinks right. so you'll be the intelligent it's a friendly it's a it's a friendly competition now <laughs> sure you let's see who can cancel you said, you said, <laughs> you said <laughs> the stakes already man uh, right so of course first things first we gotta we gotta thank some people joe because some people somehow through all of this have forgotten to cancel yeah, their patreon yeah that's that's where i'm at with this i don't know you know friendly reminder you don't have to continue supporting us but if you'd like to we appreciate you and those that still do go by the names of refined bean frodinio battlecrab lotion rex zane sir gertholot porkchuck sunny kasha 67 chara nathan your misery fabled steven roger b cross Chris R34444, Bronzebot Buhau, uh, Hotel Bravo 11, Hunter 10, Yiskus, Arpa, Scented, Chow Gel, and Chonk. Thanks so much. 
Yurix, you, you won't understand what this means. I think what you gotta watch is the first episode of the Gamer Kappa, and then you will oh, get an yeah. idea. Because okay, he didn't even know what it was. I had to I had to tell him what it was a reference to. Very very true. Yeah, very true. Long story <laughs> short, I, sh I showed my op to the best opera in the world. He became even better. That's, that's okay. it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was because of you. You're right. I mean, that's the first that's the breakout tournament, you know. <laughs> like before before that event, Navi was nothing, and then they just win IM. Come on, dude. Oh, like, man, this is we, we, yeah. we're not calling it the magic. It. You flashed no him reason. your dragon lore. How come? Yeah. How come? How come it's me and Joe that are wearing hats, but you're the one capping like crazy, dude? Like oh, because I that? don't have hair loss. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair, fair. Put the gun down, okay? Dude, hold on. Let me just make sure. We're good. We're good. Right. This is a Nova Watch podcast, after all, right? Just checking. Eventually. Maybe. Right. Let's see about this. So, also had the wrong slide on. It's it's going amazing. Like, guys, this is this is already crisp. Now. As always, it almost feels like the content of what has happened is always like a lot for one podcast because we had games last week, we had a lot of things that happened, actually, as in good TCP fashion shortly before the show, and mm. we have an, a very eventful week coming up with like 20 matches once again, and it's a lot to go through. Fortunately, half of those matches, we don't even know which they will be at, though we can speculate which will be at. Now, of course... Um, there's, there's a lot to talk about in terms of the recapping of it. Let's, let's start with a spicy one, okay? Okay. Why are certain Overwatch teams so bad that we can, in one week, have two records Oof. in the top three to get stomped so hard into the ground, even though it's the start of a new meta? Like, you would expect that teams at the bottom of the table would have more of a chance to uh, have a chance against the not even good teams, if we're being honest, like the NYXL win. It's not like NYXL is leading the uh, Eastern region. So, like, Curix, can you, see, can you tell how amazing of a host I am? I, I'm already bringing up <laughs> the most infuriating question, and then I bring it to the guest first. So I'm really pissed about this, so you tell me about it. <laughs> how is it possible that this happened this week? I, I actually, I think I might actually be able to decipher this one a little bit. Mm. A, I think the easiest thing that people will go to to say this is like so egregious is when you look back to season one with like Shanghai, right? And how how not great of a team I, i'm gonna i'm gonna sugarcoat it not great uh they were back then but the thing that you have to keep in mind is the fact that that was forced four matches yeah, yeah every sure. time mm. so so now what we have to do is kind of take our scope and <laughs> remove it from that inaugural mm. season entirely and now we're only talking about the last three which i mean two full seasons and now you know the the beginning of this one but this meta in particular, especially with a lot of those teams that are running kind of some of those like Winston, Lucio, Moira stuff, there's not a lot of ability for you to extend those team fights longer than you would like as, you know, maybe some of the teams with, you know, I guess like an NA where you're seeing some of those Arisa-based compositions a little bit mm. more that you're able to do with those. And I think that does lend a little bit to that. Um, 
maybe a little bit less so with like the Atlanta Vancouver situation, but Vancouver is, I mean, and over their head at this point, right? Yeah, it feels, I think for me, it's, it's a little bit more systemic regarding, um, I, I guess like the big two talking points are like the Valiant and the Vancouver in particular. Um, right. I think they're, I mean, for Valiant, it's a little on the nose to say they're going through a uh, transitional phase. Um, but I think that that for both teams is still being figured out. Um, yes, that doesn't mean that they're um, somehow, you know, washing their hands clean of all any and all kind of criticism or, or doubt. But it's clear that this season for a lot of teams was meant to be like a financial shift away from like trying to be super, super competitive with their budgets and their rosters. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of shifting into like strictly a tier, not tier two overwatch league team but they're trying to spend a whole lot less due to covid due to whatever else is is happening uh behind the scenes um and i don't think they've really found their legs with that yet if vancouver just gets a influx of money i i think you know yeske you've been a big proponent of the idea that you know you do kind of get what you pay for in some sense yep um in other senses yes you can have value elsewhere that you know um can provide uh benefit obviously Packing 10 being a, a historical kind of precedent to that. But with with Vancouver and Valiant in particular, I, I think it does come down to like these structural just shifts where it's like Valiant has like almost no time to sign a roster. Vancouver still is operating w- what feels like by the seat of their pants. Hero pools isn't really helping that along. And it's it's just two kind of adolescent franchises like figuring out their place in the world how this became a coming of age story in the overarch like i don't know but here we are it's it's bizarre i don't know <clears throat> i do have one defense for vancouver okay. just one just i one. mean clearly clearly things are going off the deep end a little bit but don't they also have like the 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 toughest schedule this in june joust That's true. like out of anybody They're i definitely mean up there yeah what are the because they have four games? Gladiators is one. Atlanta obviously yep. is one. Uh, what and is they it? Shock? Dallas and Shock and Dal- Yeah, I mean, come on. Are, yeah. Is there even a shred of hope at that point? Nope. And it's like <laughs> you you start the season off pretty poorly. I think they won like a map in May, and now you probably go again zero and four. You don't have your main tank anymore. <sighs> It's 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 struggle bus o'clock for this team. I do feel for him. It seemed like there was some hope uh, speaking to Flubby in the preseason. Um, they were excited to kind of, you know, get together and, and really try to take a stab at things. And, and they, you know, seemed really hungry. But I, I do have to wonder at this point, much like to, to kind of loop back to what you're saying about Shanghai in season one there there is a pressure to like finding that first victory there is a pressure to like actually finding success it's not just well there's you know we don't care like we we're expected to lose so we don't have any pressure i think there's a lot to be said um in the inverse to that i think there's a lot of pressure on the 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 op- opposing team kind of playing against them they don't want to be the one to give up that first loss to vancouver or valiant they want to kind of like keep that record. They want to make sure they kind of keep that at bay. And then the teams themselves, be it Valiant or Vancouver, like they have to find success or they're just going to be a meme. Like that's, I, I think that's very, I, I'm projecting here. I'm, this is complete speculation, but I do have to wonder if players and coaches and staff alike, you know, don't, you know, necessarily think like that. Like it's, I don't think it's too far fetched to think that like they kind of internalize a lot of that pressure that, you know, 
viewers and fans just don't kind of see, I guess. Okay, here's here's my problem because I can't like I wrote a whole whole feature about s topics like this, and I won't take too many of the conclusions I had away from this. Sure. But I think there's a real factor in terms of like the snowballing process of being bad. So sure. being bad means you have less confidence. Hmm? Being bad means you have less and less good practice opponents as you get blacklisted or like yep. like less scrims scheduled in your way and like it also like that that's why like season schedule even though you can't know beforehand who's definitely going to be good means a lot like we've talked about mm. for instance the, the the fact that maybe london season goes a little bit differently if they start out playing vancouver and eternal back to back Sure. I remember yeah. having an interview with um, Christopher who said, like, if we didn't start out this season winning those close matches the start of season three, then we probably don't get rolling and win the regular season, right? So the psychological elements of just, like, being pounded into this perceived hierarchy is, is pretty widespread in terms of what it means. And it's also, like, what you talked about earlier... I, like, there's, okay, uh, do I want to talk about this? I don't want to give too much away, but I think, okay. like, at this point, I very much doubt that this strategy that the orcs have is economically fe feasible even for them. I think the depreciation oh, sure, yeah. that they have throughout, through their limited investment, like, let's keep in mm -hmm. mind, they are, they're, like, London and Paris don't even have, um, like, practice facilities while probably paying close to league minimum in most cases like that's like you, you gotta look at the whole spending of a team to me sure. it almost doesn't matter for instance that a team like Washington as per stat card that the orcs get so basically like okay let me let me give you a little bit of an idea orcs also don't get the absolute like super accurate financials of every team in the Overwatch League. What they get mm -hmm. is, a, like, card information of where they are relative to the others, right? Uh, okay. Now, the overall spending is not tracked to my, um, to my knowledge. Yeah, that'd be kind of hard, right? What, what is tracked is, like, buyouts and, like, salaries, whatnot. You're not tracking, mm -hmm. like, what you're paying for the... It, it would also be very hard to do because, like, some teams are part of a big organization, therefore get, like, discounts on the... The ability to use like company um, housing and whatnot, right? So it would be very complicated. But nevertheless, like the overall spending of that, like if I p pay a ton in my uh, practice um, facility and pay a ton on housing and food and then pay the players less than right. another team, that doesn't mean I have less spending, right? Yeah. It looks like you're spending less, but in actuality, you're just shifting it like not off books, but into other areas that yeah just aren't tracked i mean for the longest time we've appreciated like Im improved infrastructure of the korean uh, esports scene to be a major boon to them of course sure. infrastructure team infrastructure in that case also has to uh, count towards that by the way this is hilarious right so i had a had a, uh, an interview with um tasmo way back when uh-huh right yeah yeah and in the interview, he talks about how they have an open office space, right? Oh, in Dallas, yeah, in yeah. Dallas, at in the, the practice room. So, 
basically, like, whatever the players say, if they say it too loud, it would go into, like, a hall and other officers would hear it. And uh-huh. Tasmo is, like, basically, like, I, I still have this sentence in my uh, head where he goes, like, to the, to the head office and goes, like, we might need this wall here, guys. And then, like, Sparkle scares Fearless happens. Spark, sparkles start screaming happens. Sparkles start singing happens. Check out the last clip of Sparkles singing, singing in the office and check the left side. You know what you're seeing there? A oh, wall wow. in process of being built. Like, <laughs> they had to do it because like, it, it's, uh, they're like a really loud team. But like, I don't know, like the practice facility of, of that and playing from somewhere in Finland, for instance, Sure. That's not equal, right? Like you're paying at 150 ping, like all of that pay, p- p- um, is part of that, that issue, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like once again, like the feature will be up before Overwatch League, which argues all those points. But in my mind, there's no way that your strategy, and I, I get, this is also a major learning point. It's like, I don't think we had an organization that only dominated or only sucked in the Overwatch League. With the exception of maybe Philly, I don't think they ever really sucked for like in terms of like season standings. They were always like huh. at least midfield, and the Toronto defined who were like good for like one stage ever. Yeah, right. Every other team, like if you look at the current table, who's at the top of the table? Shanghai Dragons, worst team of season one. The Houston yeah. Outlaws, There's not great teams man. of the past. Dallas Fuel, yeah. bad teams of before. Florida mayhem. You, you, you catch my drift? Like, these yep. orcs have realized that losing doesn't generate, like, is not the way to go for in this. The problem is that top orcs, like the London Spitfire, like the Vancouver Titans, like the LA Valiant, seem to also have found for themselves that bigger spending and making those trophies also doesn't amount to the, or at least that's yep. the inference I get from this. So, I don't know if it has to be a constant rotation of spending, but this seems to be like a really weird scenario that, I mean, the good part is if you're a fan and have stuck to your team since, since its inception, you probably had a good time at the sun. Like, oh yeah, probably didn't always suck. So it's, it's definitely peaks and valleys. And I think we're, we're getting close to that, but I think, it feels like teams get like real close to like touching the fire. They're like, "Ooh, it's kind of warm over here. Ooh, maybe we could cut costs. Maybe we could, you know, suck a little bit this season." And then they get just a little too close, and then they bring it back, and they're like, "Okay, cool. Like, we're actually gonna win now." Okay, we 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 were just trolling. Yeah. Um, I do think we're we're due for a team to kind of just like human torpedo themselves into the fire and just get out and sell. Um, sure kind of figured that much last season even then uh, well, i season, argue that season. that is not a uh, economically feasible I, I mean i don't know about the market maybe maybe buyers don't depend. care about the depreciation of the value of your asset yes because like i can't imagine you're building fans doing that like i'm, I'm oh, not sure no, not at all the vancouver Titans fan base is growing under what they're currently doing i can't imagine that 100 um, like, as much as we love London, you could but... argue it maybe maybe that's that's the one feasible one I don't yes. think that's true for the Valiant either, even though that's also a special situation. 
I think Boston I think for themselves have realized that 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 low spending is not the uh, the way to go. For there's instance, there's so much but you can do to agree. turn it around, though. There's there's yeah. so much you can do to turn it. I mean, look at the Justice as a prime example. I mean, don't look at their performance so far in this in this this tournament specifically, going zero and six with a nice practice facility. But you know, <laughs> beyond that, I think they've done a lot. I mean, their yeah. merch stuff like popped off with that cherry blossom merch that was actually yeah. sick. Right. Uh, they're having people come out and everything. Their community involvement is way higher. I mean. Their first what two years justice was like kind of a meme, yeah. And I'm saying that as someone Nicely. who lives right next to their <laughs> and I guess at some point, well, like we'll we'll have to take like a see it under a microscope and just understand that incentive structures have inherently changed, and I wonder if that's done intentionally by the Overwatch League. Because as we have talked about, by the way, this is like I'm already giving way too much away from my article, but like now you, no one has to read it now. <laughs> <laughs> please read it, please. Like um, the ads. But the the point is, and by the way, whoever is DMing me on Discord, are you serious? I'm not going to click into that. Like I might do that in a in a second on my phone, it's but you're me. not going to reach it's me been that me way. The entire time, um, it's been me. Just, hey. Right, but the the thing is like. The incentives, how it works, is it is actually, like, Eric and I wrote an article in the preseason saying, like, mm -hmm. it sucks to suck this, this year. It's actually worse than we thought. Because the, the screen time is not half between, like, the worst team and the best team in the Overwatch League. Yeah. It could be as much as, like, a factor of three. And, I mean, at that point, like, you might finish the season at, like, I don't know, like, nine hours of, like, on-screen time? Are you going mm. to find fans, like, that watch your stuff and become fans that buy tickets and jerseys with nine hours of entertainment, dude? Like, I don't, I don't even see how you get back, too, because with yeah. what you were talking about earlier, my biggest problem, just from, a, like, a perspective of seeing it from their eyes and from their point of view... You were talking about how you get blacklisted. I think it gets worse than that because what are you left with? I mean, contenders teams will scrim you, but they're not going to be playing with the uh, the Ryan lockout and you know all that yeah. kind of stuff because that's what they want to play. And it's it's going to be very difficult to find good quality practice unless you split time and you go 50-50 on it. But then again, that's not good quality practice. That's only half good quality practice. So then you're falling behind in that regard. You're not able to catch up. And... I mean, it it becomes this spiral that like becomes uncontrollable. And if you wind up doing poorly in a tournament, then you're sitting out in that playoff. You're you're sitting out for all that Hawaii stuff going down. You might be taking time off, and that's time that other teams are being spent, you know, practicing more, getting even mm, further yeah. ahead of you. It's 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 uncontrollable. And, yeah, it, it's and that's, that's the good stuff because like if you think about it, like the time on Hawaii is also more viewership than the average season game, right? Now, if the Overwatch League wanted to further increase the stakes of being a good team, they would just, like, every time you go to a Y, you blow that content out of the water, right? And really facilitate, like, basically, like, you make it, like, a free PR thing for the teams. Yeah. That, like, the value of what they're getting just by coming to Hawaii and having your brand, like, portrayed with, like, for instance, these super sick uh, intro stuff. Like sure. that's that's an incentive shift that might switch the formula also from the economics perspective, right? I like I feel like the game has already changed in that regard. It was never this important 100%. to be good 
and I love that for the league. Also, with the with the sort of like uh, more importance on your brand being something that you desired, because now teams actually have more private revenue streams through their mm -hmm. merch sales and whatnot, and not this garbage like ref share uh, uh, model where you just like the best brands that actually try a lot carry the the bad ones through. Oh, yeah. Like that that's I mean, come on. That was never intelligent. Um but to your point, uh Yiska, I think I think the game is changing. Um it, both literal and a little bit more figurative. Like this I think this is a a, a tip of the hat, a a uh you know a fail of sleight of hand regarding the change from the homestand model because again you didn't have to necessarily like work on a ton because you were too busy building out your infrastructure because you were always going to have that stage now you don't have that stage we might get back to that point we might have some sort of traveling circus in like 2023 2024 i don't even know at this point maybe later this year who knows um I mean, Dallas but I sort think, of hinted towards them now getting a homestand soon. Sure, right? we, we might have a couple stages, right? We might yeah. have a couple different instances of live entertainment, live eventing, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the homestand model is gone. It's, it's from the top down, been removed. I think this is a, a, a push in that direction, um, but that's more figuratively. Literally, the game is changing. Overwatch 2 is coming, period. Yeah, I mean, so sure. the, the evaluation of these franchises of the slots. While it is probably not necessarily doing fantastic, there is an asterisk to that to say, sure. hey, do you want to get in now for Overwatch 2? That could be big. Yeah. So while, you know, while we kind of see the, 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 the transition, while we see people perhaps human torpedoing into the fire, I don't think it's too detrimental at this point and i don't think they're going to be too at fault i think they're I, i'm willing to at least give some of these you know maybe new investors or, or new uh suitors the benefit of the doubt trying to get in maybe doing something interesting with it i think there are some definite names in the table but we'll see see when the, the end of the season comes around right all right so i guess the natural point like Yes, there's big news, especially in, in terms of the players. I think we can facilitate that through the discussion of the respective teams. Now, mm. there was one boy that killed my Pretz. This, like my perfect Pretz. Actually, in, in hindsight, it's oh. now the shock that sort of screwed my Pretz by winning, yeah, yeah. Uh, like giving up one more map or losing uh, or not giving up one more map than expected. Otherwise, having. Yeah, and. Okay, so Hurix, did you think that when Aspire came in, he would pop off like he did? And I mean, I don't think it was fun being glistered that day. I mean, definitely. I would say, did I expect it to a degree? Yes, but to that degree, no. And I, and I think that that's interesting because a lot of the conversation with contenders and the players that have made that leap up recently is all about you know how good is london doing how good is paris doing yeah. you know that vancouver team that we saw last year and it hasn't been great i mean there has yep. been definitely uh, there was some positivity and with all the it, it certainly has gone more towards the negative end of the spectrum i think aspire has shown now that hey look sometimes things just don't work and that's just how it is but that's not to that's not a good point to just write off an entire 
uh, pool and wealth of talent that could actually mm. exist out there and aspire, in my opinion, definitely high up there. We didn't get to see him a lot last year. Um, but now, like in the first two tournaments this year, he performed obviously really, really well in the last tournament, moved over to American Tornado, didn't play a tournament with them. A couple people are saying like, oh, he's an American Tornado player. I mean, yes, but like not re- not, mm. not not in the sense that he played tournaments with them. I mean, mm, he was just kind yeah. of practicing with, with them for like two weeks or so. Um, but regardless of all that, I think the Aspire whole situation tips the conversation towards, hey, look, there are some other players and contenders that are like, that good slash maybe better maybe i mean aspire played phenomenally well but there are other players out there and contenders that in my opinion could could equal that performance level have, do you have some names for us i mean certainly the first one that comes to mind is wub like easily the first one that comes to mind would be wub and i think something with him specifically was that last year we didn't get to see him a lot in finals because Wub had this <laughs> this issue where his parents wouldn't let him play on Friday nights. Unfortunately, that's literally the grand finals for con- contenders, oh, no. or at least it was in the last schedule. So it, it you, you just didn't see him in the biggest biggest matches. Um, but now he has the permission this year. We're seeing a lot more of him. I mean, should Sugar Free slash Lenny, if he winds up sticking it out with uh, what is now Fusion University. Uh, instead of moving over to Valorant, that's another player that eventually, I think, easily could pop off really, really uh, uh, highly. Oh, sorry, Hydron was the one that couldn't play, but Wub is still uh, both of those players, actually. Hydron and Wub, I think, mm. would be really, really solid. American Tornado just is stacked. Huh. But even beyond them, I mean, there's some other players that definitely stick out. I mean, Lep was someone that I thought would be in the conversation for Paris, if not for the fact that he was NA based and not EU. Um, as as far as main support goes, there's certainly a wealth with uh, regards to off tank, which I imagine you guys are gonna want to talk about at some point sure. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's let's call a spade a spade here, right? I think if you have a player that is looked at by the shock and then isn't not played uh, picked up by anyone else, there's either a like a gigantic mismatch of scouting. Like, mm-hmm. it's also possible that Krusty can be wrong. He's not a deity, even though they damn near played like one for the last two years, right? Sure. Or something else is a reason why teams shied away from, from players like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, there is something to be said about the PR of players that have stuck around for a long time with that particular team. I think there there is, like, that's that's a... That's the energy I got from people when I asked around. Because what people might not realize is, like, DPS in that position, there was a long line of dominoes where if that team picks up that guy, then that guy will be picked up by that team, then that... Da, 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 and it went all the way from Shock to Vancouver uh, down, the, uh, down the stairs. It was like a, mm-hmm. a domino effect of, like, six or seven people. No joke, right? So... <laughs> Why does the domino then not fall on Whoop in that in that part? And like the people I talk to, and it's admittedly only two had an opinion, or even were in the position where they would pick up a North American player in that position. But there was just like, I mean, if if I have a similarly or slightly less skilled player, then I'm not going to deal with a potential smoke, right? While others, admittedly, that know more about Whoop, said, 
he's not a problem a troublemaker like that's it's it's more like in the context of teams like we all are social creatures and then you just like right. accustomed to the temperature right that was that has so far been what it's communicated to me uh, about that mm. particular team now that the skill level of that team is of course like off the charts is, is of course true right like okay. at least in the past that that has always been like i mean gauntlet winners right so sure just to kind of synthesize the situation it's it sounds like there has up, been sorry. talk about you know a, a given player that you know perhaps there's a stigma attached to them or or something that you know is kind of carrying over from their past who's to say mm -hmm. if it's changed it sounds like it perhaps you know has um and, and teams are kind of voicing that as or, or using that as as fodder to maybe not approach them or not give them a contract is that kind of where you're going with it dude like this league has been pummeled with terrible pr people oh of course with 100%. terrible human beings careful. of a certain profile i would mm -hmm. not i would not dare to take any chances now of course, of course this this sounds like i'm suggesting there's anything deeply screwed up with whoop which is not yeah, yeah. like i like i don't know right it's just mm. that people are really like um Gunshot, hesitant. Yes. Like, if you, if you can get, like, a squeaky clean player, who would be something like that? Uh, I gotta tell you. Um, just, like, a really nice league, kid. Maybe? Like, Sorry? Sure. Gig, gig. Definitely gig. Like, squeaky clean. Or, like, even, like, someone, like, hmm, would I say Sparker, for instance? Like, just, like, nice kids, or, like, someone like Bok or something. Like, these personalities that... Just okay. like have this, like, you know, like saint the aura around himself. them. Um, it's, it's a different story, right? Like, this is a business after all, and you're trying to uh, make sound decisions also for your team environment, right? So, mm -hmm. while I think from the information that I have that it was a misjudgment, um, it's still an interesting uh, state of affairs. And yeah, I mean, that's certainly something that these teams and these players should also take into account when 100 uh, at the same time you're sort of sacrificing like i also don't want to make it too boring because here's here's a pattern that i picked up and i don't want to go too much into valorant but it, it like watching boaster interact with a crowd while being on the second best team in the world is really un-esports like it feels like like other than call of duty like, the biggest players that are the most professional, that win the most trophies, just by the nature of how you achieve that, are not show, uh, um, you know, sh showmen. showmen. Yeah. yeah. It's almost antithetical. What you want is someone like Astralis that just, like, goes zen into themselves, just are unfazed, yeah. don't open their mouth, which they didn't for the longest time, right? Just play mm -hmm. it down professionally. And that's the, that's, the, that's the trajectory towards professionalism in esports, right? But yep. from a business perspective, you want the other way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you want showmakers. And yes, there's a, a way to be a showmaker or an interesting personality without being toxic. For instance, someone like Tense comes to mind. Sure. Um, or someone like, I mean, like Spicy, someone like Super comes to mind, right? But um, yeah. we, we are having, we're having an issue of having like expressing personality being safe about it attracting viewers that way 
while still having the ability to be like an absolute top performer. And whenever mm -hmm. the, the best player in the world is the best showman, that's when esports usually thrives the fullest, right? I agree. I think, I mean, not to get super deep into it, I feel like that tends to happen at the start or at the early stages yes, of an esport. Exactly how it and, works, yeah. and it kind of trickles down. Yeah. You get to like that almost like martial arts, like very just like respectful like nobody really says anything it's just leave it on the mat and you know you you take everything off off stage and you kind of be quiet about it and then it kind of ticks back up or yep. ticks back up um i i don't know why i feel very attached or drawn towards like early dota and like some of the early internationals with like dendi i don't watch dota i won't claim to watch dota but i have a, a very strong mental image of him being like very happy-go-lucky in a lot of his interviews and still being you know a very popular player um, kind of moving forward, I think even in, in Overwatch, we had people that were large personalities, very excitable, you know, showing a lot of, uh, you know, like you said, showman attributes. And we're kind of, that's you know, problem, on a down though, that. If you look at, for instance, the, the situation of Pine, right? Sure. Like Pine went out, like when he was signed this season, he went out like this, this image applied a lot of pressure to me. Like mm -hmm. this hampered me in my ability to be my best. Right, and please don't use it now. Now this is really hard to achieve, and yeah. I mean, it is just such a hard way to balance this, right? Like where you don't necessarily know, like what what the best way for an esport is. The problem is if you let the reins too loose, then you have like yeah, XQC situations, right? And you don't want that, yeah. And you don't want. Is that there anybody either. in? Is there anybody in contenders that you feel or you guys have, have heard or gotten feedback from or have actually just interviewed that, you know, you, you can kind of point to and say like, oh, I'd love to give that kid a mic and just let him run wild in, in like a safe environment. Is there, oh, is there safe anybody? Environment. Ooh, that's yeah, yeah maybe answer. maybe not, you know, on a, you know, <laughs> you know, open mic special uh... in like a raunchy bar, but just, you know, in a, you know, publicly acceptable fun way. Anybody kind of come to mind? I mean, just off of the fact of the that one qualifier, it's nobody in NA. Okay, very good. Because uh, <laughs> when you were starting, I was like, dude, I would love to hear Reiner just go off for like a couple minutes, you know? Okay. But, but um, you know, beyond that, uh, I think there's definitely a lot of like fun personalities and contenders. Um, some are some are wholesome, some are not. I think you know, especially one that comes to mind in terms of very animated very talkative uh and great personality that is certainly wholesome i, I gig coming back to contenders has been okay. uh pretty cool to talk with him a lot more but um i would say most of the vibe with contenders players is uh <laughs> maybe less wholesome there's another word to describe it but it mm, isn't wholesome i would gotcha. say but still in a good way and i, I think yeah, it would yeah. be very entertaining but i think you're talking more about uh le less less tens there are players like that um personality wise but the ones that you typically hear from are more i wouldn't say aligned with the xqc path but like maybe strain a little bit more a, towards that end of the spectrum they're a lot more uh fast and loose with what they're saying they don't necessarily think about it uh, about it a ton they're just kind of yeah from the hip yeah or you get the players that are uh very very reserved and uh, yeah. they'll give you like the blunt answer, and then that's pretty much it. Sometimes, you know. So, uh, but there's there's players in the middle. There's players in the middle that crop up. The the thing is, is that a lot of them are just very much 
I want to play my game. I'm not going to give them yeah. the interview because I'm focused on what's coming up next. And I mean, that's fine with me. That certainly aligns them with what uh, Yiska was talking about with like the Astralis personality of just show mm -hmm. up, play your game, go ahead and prep for the next one. Yeah. I think that that's also something that makes Super so special. So like a little anecdote and then we'll move on. But like we, I was at a press conference and we had mm. blocks and you asked players questions and they were all pretty professional. And then at the last block, they brought out the heavy hitters, you know, Jake, Space and uh, Super, right? And there's like 50 journal journalists in the room and then there's the Blizzard stuff in the room. So you would expect like that there's a certain like reservation towards like what kind of topics you talk about. But like the, the way Super interacts with his fellow human beings is just different. And it's not bad, right? It's just like he cuts through like certain barriers that we all socially have built up for themselves and in such a charismatic way just interacts with like people and just like has a fun conversation, like almost like a little, you know, like fun bit with space. But mm -hmm. that's just how he is, right? Like it's really hard to to explain because usually you only interact with Super. Like on on his stream. You can't see that either because that's also part of the show, right? You you don't really have the 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 wall drop for you. But when you see him interact with like real people, I I knew this kill was different. I t I talked about this story uh, before on the broadcast, but like I remember like um, talking to him before he before the Overwatch League. Keep in mind he was seventeen at the time. I was mm -hmm. a nearly 30, thirty year old man, <laughs> and this guy goes, "I'm like, okay, are you getting offers and whatnot?" and He's like, I, I think he said something like, um, I'm getting screwed out here, kid. I distinctly remember him calling me a kid. I'm like, in a really, really bad life that I could have had, I could be your father. Like, this is, <laughs> like, this is, this is a really awkward situation. But like, it, it was still funny, right? Like, it's not in a toxic or... It's just a weird way that just like grabs you in a charismatic manner, right? So yeah. the more Agreed. of these personalities we can retain, and it's hard because like these guys also sure. just like make great streamers and then they're just gone because they're making so much money. And that's by the way, that's something that uh super like I asked him, like, did you think about retiring this season? And he said he thought uh, thought about it and he talked to a lot of people about it, but has ultimately decided that it's not worth uh, that that like you only have so much time to be a pro player and you don't want to have regrets and as he can still do it they're on the three peat run like this is still like something that like the glory you take further right mm -hmm. so yeah that's i mean i mean just a really cool and mature honestly view on life yeah and there's there's one more some i saw someone post about it so i, I do want to highlight him sure. because i didn't even it didn't come to mind because I was thinking, okay, who was performing really well at contenders? This player, there's a caveat, they're struggling in trials right now. But at okay. the end of last year, a cash is exactly what you're talking about. You okay. know, like mm. super animated, definitely not gonna be causing any problems, but like still very entertaining. He's definitely like who I imagine to be like a super uh succeeder, like someone who could come in. Uh, and be basically that same personality. Uh, so funny, dude. Uh, love that kid to death. But they are struggling in trials right now, so it's tough to see uh, him in a position at the moment where he could, you know, go up to Owl and then make that <laughs> same impact and stuff. Right. I wish we'd get 
I mean, I've always been a big proponent of like hearing more from the players, you know, seeing them, what what have you. I, I think it'd be good for the league and and contenders, you know, for its own merits, like having having more roundtables and hearing more from the players themselves and being able to let those personalities shine through. I don't know exactly how contenders is structured these days, but I, I don't yeah. see much from them a lot outside of, of like post. Yeah, which sucks. Yeah, that- but obviously, it's. It's hard when the league is kind of struggling. I mean, it's more on the player to have their personal streams pop. I feel like. agreed, and yeah, it's it's been a thing in esports forever that like yes, you need to be good, but you also need to to kind of put yourself out there in a way, and it's hard and it's scary and it sucks, but it is part of the job, unfortunately. But yeah, okay, let's move on to the next. Um like transfer and let me provo- provoke a little bit with the way I phrase this question but is there seriously not a North American or European main tank that's better than Chongsik who hasn't played since 2019 yeah that's a big bizarre question to me there's, there's a soft spot in my heart 2020 just, I think played. Just, just a little bit there's a soft spot in my, soft spot in my heart because uh, my memories of Chongsik date back to when he was on Fusion University, and I'm really close friends with iShiny, who was at the time uh, the main tank for uh, Envision slash kind of became Envious, uh, and he was on that team for a little bit. Um, and I talked with him all the time, uh, and this was like a big rivalry back then. It was uh, FU versus them all the time, Mm -hmm. forever and always. It was always going to be them in the finals. Um, And they were back and forth. They were able to take each other out like all the time in scrims. They saw each other in finals, matches all the time. It went back and forth. And a lot of that discussion that I had with Shiny was about, you know, Chongsik and how they match up and what kind of tendencies does he have? What kind of player is he? And uh, forever and always, I mean, Shiny is not someone to shy away from the fact that he's going to say, I'm just straight up better than this person, but he always had a respect for Chongsik. He was always a really solid player. Definitely, there is a major concern with the fact that he has not been playing competitively Mm. uh, at all for, you know, a very, very long period of time. And when you ask, are there players that are there that are EU or NA based that could have filled that role? I do I could say yes, and that I think is definitely a little bit of a concern. But yeah. not to say that Chongsik isn't inherently a bad player. Yeah. Now, I think what the what the uh, Vancouver Titans said was that they in trials like Chongsik beat out these these candidates. I once again mm-hmm. would caution towards like only looking at trials. I also caution towards like their hiring practices this season, as we did in the preseason anyway. But sure. Um, yeah, like from from what you saw, do you think like is Chunksik even an upgrade to Treadlock? I think it's so early. Right. I don't know He's how you could tell. And I don't know yeah. how you could tell this entire tournament. You could watch the entire tournament and I don't think you'd be able to tell anything because they're playing teams that are just too strong. Mm-hmm. Like oh. they the whole team is way too far behind for you to be able to sit there and determine sure. is this one player enough because their whole team just isn't enough right now. Yeah, maybe they, they they might be better, you know, down the line and like countdown cup or something. But at the moment, it's so hard to tell. Yeah. I think, I I think again, 
we've talked about it enough and it's been an exhaustive discussion regarding hero pools but it is such a hard reset in terms of like how you evaluate these teams again you go from may with the justice to the you know the the justice in june two different teams if you if you erase the nameplates i I think for vancouver in particular i I really don't know i don't i don't think i'll have a strong opinion or i won't have a, a fair strong opinion if that makes sense like one that can be like at least waited in in some sort of reason until the end of the season and we see vancouver titans this is exactly how their season progressed this is how chongsik played through all these different metas this is how he is in this hero this is how he is in this hero yes the team played poorly but is there a you know space for him maybe in another lower tier team was he the problem was he the solution it's it's so hard to tell and and it's the format doesn't help i guess he does get back to the level he was playing at the, the thing about Chongsik that I really liked was that he was very diverse. Uh, mm. I think there are some tanks even in the league, but certainly in contenders, but that, that do fall into this notion of I'm good at this, but I'm not necessarily good at that. Uh, Chongsik is someone that stands out to me in my mind from his history on fusion university that he was genuinely solid at everything. And that was when we had first seen, uh, Arissa being played in metas and stuff and he was very solid there they were you know mm-hmm. kind of figuring things out really really quickly that was something that fusion university was really good at interestingly enough they were also kind of uh pretty hard carried by alarm and who are you at the time which sure yeah who are you is back in the conversation all of a sudden yeah, as well yeah. but i mean um Chongsik was a pillar for that team so if he can get back to that level and then get coached even beyond that i wouldn't be worried about his performance uh, he he is not, in my opinion, going to be someone, if he can get there, that you'll look back on at the end of the year and say, man, that was a bad move. Uh, there are maybe some mm. other decisions that will warrant that notion instead. Joe, how did you perceive what Custer said in the post-match of the Stomp uh, in terms of, like, the Vancouver Titans not caring? Oh, uh, pff, okay, from one uh, hot potato to another... yeah maybe not maybe not the best um (laughs) i i think to sell somebody short and it feels like the pot calling the kettle you know situation but you know you You did call profit lazy after all i did yes that's that's what we're alluding to in a you know uh very you know flaming hot article i effectively called profit lazy it was all hyperbole and was meant to be a metaphor but uh was not taken as such unfortunately um he told me after the post-match interview by the way that he just still hates you for that oh very good no Sounds he did good. not but it wouldn't be funny as hell. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is <laughs> <laughs> somebody mentioned it in in the discord i think when you left they were like i wonder if he's gonna think that like you're yiska and he's gonna be like oh are you the motherfucker that called me lazy <laughs> um yeah i i think i think they are trying i think every team in the league is trying as much as like it is a knee-jerk reaction to say, like, oh, Valiant, like, are you even trying at this point? I feel like, you know, you could take a, a plat team from ranked and have a similar performance. Like, you do get those feelings. I, I, I don't doubt it, but I think <sighs> good PR is bad PR is good PR. I get it. Is that fair to say to a team? Probably not. <sighs> it, I don't know. It's, it's probably not the best choice of words. I, I think I get where he's coming from, but maybe messaged in the wrong way the thing is i feel like if you think about like people who are allowed to say that 
Custa yeah. would probably be one of the only ones, right? Because if you think about Custa's history, that's a guy that was on a team that didn't have that, that different resources on the teams that he ended sure. up... Or, sorry, the Valiant situation, right? In yeah, the yeah. later parts, right? So, like, maybe there's some credence to that. I don't like that it went to, like, something that he can't inherently know. It's speculation. It's also spicy. I think if he just went to, like, okay, whatever they're doing is garbage, that would have yeah. been uh, fine because, like, he has the accolades to back up. Like, you can do stuff with li uh, limited resources. Just can't, like, the, the thing is, when you, you, when you pull it to the human level of not caring, that's, that's the issue. I don't, I don't mind um, the criticism towards, like, how they're approaching uh, the situation. I also don't mind criticizing their scouting efforts. I think it's even, like, fine to say that they, those guys don't have the talent level if you believe that, right? Like, that's, like, once again, how much you value talent and what you think is the, the likely trajectory. Like, it's, it's a thing of probability, right? I, mm. I think, like, inherently, like, a, a team like uh, Valiant was way better scouted than uh, oh, this Vancouver course. team is. So I believe there was way more hidden potential for a coach like um, like Packing to get out of that team. I don't see any of that uh, in the Titans at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I do respect the, the coaches there. Um, I, I think they've done well in the past. Um, was the, the format or was the system in you know uh, anti-fragile enough to to do a, a show callback um to survive in the overwatch league it's tough to say so far no um but i i don't know if money is the solution at this point i i do wonder if it is like a system thing if the coaches do need to kind of shuffle around um in terms of roles perhaps where you need somebody like a packing 10 to kind of step in as the head coach and just kind of really set up a structure, really set up, you know, exactly what needs to um, happen for this team to get off the ground if the budget budget doesn't change. Um, it sucks. It sucks a lot because this is a brand that was kind of meant to be exciting um, with, you know, what they signed in 2019. Wow. Right. And and yeah, it's it, it's a fall from grace. But like like we said earlier, like there there's always a rubber band back. Um, teams don't tend to stay bad for too terribly long. So I, I'll also say, like, I have a lot of time for whatever Flubby has been doing in his career. So, mm -hmm. like, it's like I think there are still more chances left to uh, give him. Right? Like, th let's keep in mind they actually had a pretty good end of the season last year once they they got to yeah. uh, get the players that they wanted. It's just like like big blunders, like not locking up shockwave in the manner that this happened right like um and then signing like talent that would never be signed by anyone else right like you don't need to sign a shredlock or a dalton or a rolf early like nobody's we know going if to sign they that weren't guy. like kind of forced to stick around do like a two plus one or like a one no plus no two? they, they like, resigned them thing? No, no, they resigned oh, okay. them. That's at least the messaging. Like, of course, it could be a Fair. messaging issue. I think it sure, was known in the by the uh, leak contract stuff that they put out. Gotcha. Right? So gotcha. yeah, I I didn't love the 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 decisions there. Yeah, I don't know who makes didn't. those. Um, it's yeah, it's 
I don't know who, who the problem there is. I, I also don't want to put blame. There's just something systemic there. I don't know if it's yeah, a person. 100%. I don't know if it's ideas. But, like, it's... You saw that coming from a mile away, and it's still worse than you think thought it would be. Yeah, I have a funny feeling with... And again, pure speculation, pure just, like, coincidences lining up. The team that blundered a championship-winning roster is having a hard time finding their legs under them. I don't think personnel is going to be the issue. I think it is something systemic from, like, the very top. Right. That's where the issue lies. If I had to guess, I don't think it's flubby. I think I'd love to see him maybe shift to an assistant coach and maybe having um, somebody like a Packington kind of step in to kind of really kind of drive the structure going forward in 2022. But... I don't know if that's it. I don't know if there's something limiting them past the budget where they, they have to, you know, um, a big one, you know, there, there's no, that there's something doesn't align, right? It's like a good player just doesn't show up on stage one day. It's just like, well, it's probably not because they're a good player. It's probably some, you know, something extracurricular is happening with this team that I think is, is kind of holding them back. You know, what I, guess. You know what I do find interesting about this actually is the fact that that second win structure was all about we have outright some of the best scouting in all of tier two. Right. Mm -hmm. We are so good at finding people that, you know, wind up just getting a whole ass poached into Overwatch League. And right. then we have to rebuild and we have yeah. a consistency about it where it happens again the next season and again the next season. And the thing that I don't see from them in this new structure with Titans, and I don't know, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and really speculate, you know, what maybe the cause of this all is but just sure. as as an observation if you look at the roster that they have this year the first thing that they've done that feels second wind is pick up Chongsik. that's mm -hmm. the first thing because mm. everybody else is yes. just you know different pieces just kind of slapped together from other teams that they've just kind of taken these players that have been in overwatch league they have had good moments and they say, okay, we're going to make a team out of this. Chongsik is literally the first thing that I think feels second wind. Yeah. In my opinion. Okay. I like the fire pickup as well, I will say. I think that fire as, as a leader, leadership personality and uh, just like been... proven accolades and contenders. That's just yeah. someone that has demonstrated value and of course just didn't get past the, the, uh, his starter uh, last yeah. season. Right? Hard to do when you have such a strong starter in Masa, but to his credit. I think, uh, you know, when, when we're talking about Envision, somebody who it was a standout then, somebody who, yeah. like you said, structure, leader, um, probably one of the first people that I heard effectively tracking ultimates to like a, a margin of very few percents. Um, yeah, super, super sick player. Glad to see him in the league. Um, but regarding Vancouver, obviously they're not necessarily performing all that well. There is a team in Europe that is performing pretty Right. Well. That was that was the segment, the fifteen minute segment for you four left Titan fans. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. alternatively, <laughs> the rest of the Overwatch League that watches that team for Schadenfreude. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So of course, unfortunately, the sad news came out that um Elevote can't continue um their uh, his um career. I, I don't know, like, I don't want to say too much, but is the, uh, the reason known? Like, is that... Yeah, in the something to do with his wrist. Yeah. Right, yes, okay, right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, just 
isn't able to um to play more or much more um in the in the coming weeks it's it's at the point where like it's just too much pain and unfortunately like that guy's career is also like a bit of a tragedy i will say um i think like on a better put together um justice team like he was one of the like of of, of the bad squad he was one of the best performers oh, 100% um and now like with the paris Eternal, especially considering this team actually looked to have now picked up steam and clearly like for me like the quality of their play was already i mean maybe they also had the luck of like meeting easier opponents than for instance london but like that that team seemed like a step up you know from the titans and the the um mm -hmm. the valiance of the league right so um in that sense it's sad it's a sad moment also just from a timing perspective after a big victory um yep. so like who who could pot potentially replace elevote because i assume it would have to be a european player if it was an american player then at least we would have someone on uh, on great ping i guess that's a possibility i assume that would also be an employment issue i'm not 100 percent if that's the case i mean it has worked with london and blase so i assume there's a there's a way to make it work so what kind of names pop up, Urix, when you when you see Elevote replacement? Who would you who would your go to guys be? So the first thing is, I mean, I definitely feel for him a lot, Elevote. Um, I mean, I have also dealt with wrist pain. I got the uh, I said I was gonna bring it out. I got the <laughs> wrist right here and everything. I mean, it, it it's it's tough, man. It's it's really rough, especially because, like he said in his uh, twit longer that. Um, you know, it's it's not something that just is there when you're playing. It's when you go to lay down and you're going to sleep and you can't because there's just still this like throbbing, aching pain. It's rough, man. I definitely feel for him. So uh, he said it's a break. So maybe this will just be like an interim pickup that they'll need. But either way, if we know anything about Eternal is that they're going to pick up an EU player. It's all it's literally a guarantee. Um they they had opportunities to pick up NA players in the past, and they have, to my knowledge, told them that they're going to go with EU for uh, legal reasons and stuff like that sometimes. Mm. So I, I will say that it's very likely that they go EU. I would probably say 99.99999%. Um, so given that notion, I would immediately be drawn towards KSA as an option. Um, especially mm -hmm. given the fact that he's already been in Overwatch League. He certainly didn't have a poor performance, in my opinion. Um, and now, even in contenders, currently performing really, really well at the top of the heap. I think he's probably someone that definitely stands out. Finzi is another one that I would throw in. Vestola is one. However, Vestola has a buyout because he's with uh, the Hurricane right now, so maybe they don't go with that. And then the last one, who I think is a really good complementary player that would be like... The one that would surprise me, but I still think it's an option, is Alex2704, especially because of what he's done like the past six months. He's really stepped up, and he obviously doesn't have a buyout. So, hmm. Definitely an attractive attribute to have on your resume. Don't yeah, have to pay too much. For sure, and I, I think they're probably going to go that route, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> Paris doesn't strike me as the... Uh, did Dredro have a buyout? Uh, no... 
no i know no, no i don't no, think so because i think he got did he get drops from uprising academy before they moved he was with new started... kings oh okay. so, he, so yeah he, he was on he was on new kings uh through that tournament and he actually the the reason why i would say ksa is the most likely is because he was playing with ksa ksa has already ah. played in overwatch league and i think he's someone that they can feel like they re can rely on so if i'm a betting person i'm saying ksa but there are those other options. I think Vestola is still in the running, but given the buyout, maybe a little bit less so. Another thing you have to credit Paris with, not to completely diverge, I, th I do think it kind of supports things, especially with some of the other conversation regarding Valiant and uh, Vancouver, um, regarding kind of scouting and whatnot. I think the way that Avala has structured this team and how they built it is interesting. I'm not entirely too sure how to feel about it but thus far it's pretty positive obviously being able to land people like khan who herix was was selling me on months before the season started he's like bro look khan sick dude like you don't know i'm like i don't dude, know please tell he me he tried to do he changed his name in the middle of last year he was ibtb which st stood for i'll be the best wound up kind of becoming that uh but he changed <laughs> his name to to khan and we tried we tried to do uh two spotlight uh uh, little like videos on him at mm -hmm. one point because he played really well with IB as IBTB and he had a spotlight uh, video done about him and then later he played really really well in a tournament as Khan we were like I mean it's a different name I mean can we <laughs> <laughs> yeah what if we, we, just... we weren't allowed we weren't allowed <laughs> uh, it's a shame because he's easily just a breakout player if he's not yeah. considered for the ballot for rookie of the year i'd be a little upset just because of how quickly really? i think even in the preseason mm. he is pounding on baptiste i i do want to see him on other picks but dude, wait for the zen baby yeah wait that's for the zen dude if Ooh. he can if he can play as well as he is on baptiste he's building these gates like crazy fast yeah. stupidly fast like it looks broken um I mean, and he, he was doing this in the preseason he, he and Iris um, are two players that definitely stuck, stuck out to me last year of just like, why are these people even here? I mean, yeah, you should not well, be here. You should be up but, there. <laughs> and, uh, even like Ryderus, who is someone that did content for contenders who now just got picked up to Overwatch League to do mm -hmm. some of their capturing and stuff like that. It's just like, why are you here, man? Mm -hmm. Like, just move up. <laughs> and those were definitely two players that definitely stuck out to me. And it's I'm happy now to see Khan in that in that conversation. Yeah, like of Avala and, and how she structured it. From my understanding, kind of briefly talking to her through uh Ellie vote, um, the way that they did it was was really interesting. Instead of just kind of trialing and, and throwing players together and kind of figuring it out on the fly and shifting, shuffling pieces all oh, about yeah. just to see how they work with each other, they basically had like scrim teams. And then would scrim each other and they would assign coaches that they were trialing to those teams to see how they would work with those teams yeah. and how they would progress over the season. Um, definitely not anything that I've heard of or experienced um, regarding like owl trials. That seems very kind of uncharacteristic and, you know, unorthodox. And it seems to be paying off. I'd love to see that continue throughout the rest of the season and, and even farther in, into future seasons. Um, but you also have to give it to her because she's had no time. Like yeah. this yeah, yeah, whole thing has just been kind of piecemeal together. Like I, she's I, found a lot of success. I think the point of the story is though, that every single one, as far as I know, as I remember, mm -hmm. maybe it was a different player, but every one of the players and the coaches wanted to play Khan. 
that's the uh the that information that, right yeah that being said though and i don't have i don't have confirmation on this but i would almost be willing to bet that regardless of how successful Khan has been regardless of how well i think dredro is going to be uh yeah. which is great to see because i mean going from someone who was labeled as a mercy one trick uh, mm. then shifted into Mercy main and is now yep. a main support in the Overwatch League, performing yep. well. I, it's great to see. I, I'm hoping that we get to be able to talk about Naga and Onigata a lot more as well. But um, beyond that, I still think that one of the greatest pickups potentially that Paris had in this offseason, and I, I'm basing it entirely off of the, the, the storied history oh, behind him and contenders, <laughs> is Coach J-Mac, dude. I mean, if you don't know the story of Coach J-Mac, you're doing yourself an, a massive disservice because this dude is insane. He literally uh, threw Gauntlet every single time his team, I think it was Dark Mode uh, in Gauntlet, they they were a team that just like got kind of smashed together. They went through and they just had some like insanely solid performance. Um, and it they, they accredited him in a lot of ways for that performance and the fact that every time that they played, whether it be a scrim or a official or whatever, he had personal, uh, personalized notes that he would give to every one of the players, as well as just like a team document that was just like 17 pages long. And this was like daily, like daily he would be doing this and helping them out. And if he's doing anything close to that for the eternal, I'm sure that that's a massive boon in their favor. Yeah, I've I've heard the tales and the lore regarding J Macaroons <laughs> as much as, you know, we, you know, maybe give him a hard time as a player. Um, it, I, I see a lot of comfort, especially in such a chaotic format with the Paris Eternal. I see them. A good example, right? Them versus the Washington Justice. You see the Justice. They're struggling. They they really only default to one composition. They're playing. Wrecking Ball, a hit scan, Echo, Mercy, whatever it was. I, it's hard to call it at this point. But like they, they very much find a lot of comfort in one specific comp. They don't want to stray too far off it, and they're struggling. They don't know what to do. Right. You look at the Paris Eternal, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're, they're oh, here's our, here's our point A comp for Eichenwald. We're going to switch in point B and do this XYZ. Like They look comfortable. They feel prepared for hero pools, which is not something that you can accredit a lot of teams with. And you have to kind of look at J-Mac, the lore, and what you're seeing on paper, it does kind of line up a little bit. I, I'm kind of here for it. If this is, if this is what we can expect Paris to, to look like, they could be the European team that was, you know, I kind of pointed towards London as, as being the team that could, you know, potentially go on to win a title in the next couple of years. It might just be Paris Eternal in, in a kind of miraculous way, being kind of given these, these structure pieces like J-Mac, like some of the pieces like Khan, Dredro, having this this fully Europe, European team, they could be the ones to to really kind of light the torch and, and be the flag bearers of, of Western Overwatch, I guess, going going into the future. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's good. It's I'm I'm seeing a lot of growth. And I don't think that if we're talking about confidence and how struggling early could get you down, I think succeeding, like you said about the fusion, some of that can be applied to Paris here. I mean, they they, yeah. they gotta do it lot for longer though. And, oh, yeah, of course, one hundred percent. This sure. is this is early seed planting. Like this mm. is not something you can expect based on a couple matches. But they're showing attributes that, if they continue, I would say projected wise, like Paris is going to be a good team. A couple years, I wouldn't be shocked. 
I also am reminded of another note too that uh, should be mentioned. There was there was some talk uh, about uh, is he fluent in English, and you know he did have his stuff translated. But the thing that's cool about Eternal, and I, I think you got to give a credit to uh, Aval for this as well, they didn't pick up a translator for JMac. They didn't you know just have one. They literally picked up his translator, the one that oh, he okay. had been working with in contenders like when he was starting through his coaching career they picked up that person as well and put them on the team so that it was just like the most seamless transition like that's mm. i mean that's the kind of thing that i think is going to help long term if you're thinking like that as a gm i mean come on yeah yeah for sure right okay in terms of recaps or like talking about the past i think there's one topic that i want to cover and that I don't know how you beat it out of this team, but Soul Dynasty, once again, mm -hmm. like are running their Hawkcoms. It, it feels like it's a... Oh, yeah, they are. It, it feels like at this point, it's like... I Okay, I had a post-match interview with Prophet, right? And I asked mm -hmm. him, like, how do they come up with these comps? And he basically said, like, well, they kind of worked in scrims. <laughs> so... Sick. It's like, okay. And then, I mean, the, the argument for the Reaper was like, it's sort of like Tracer, because like of the mobility and the, the sort of like, um, uh, the ability to just like surprise and get quick kills and then get, get away with it, right? I don't know about these Hawk comes, and I don't even hate that they're running Hog if it works for you. Yeah. But that cannot be your one strategy. And yes, they did have, uh, like gesture on on Orisa for a couple of minutes of, of playtime, I think. Yeah. But I I I'm like, I don't know why this team is incapable to come up with more stuff in their portfolio. Whether it is being able to like mix and match on the fly, or sure. just have more like set plays or set compositions that I've got a theory work for them. It's right. it's not accurate. And it's not truthful. Okay, <laughs> so go. I'm going to preface it with this. But... I will warn you, we had Arnold on this podcast after someone said something very untruthful. And we got a ton of viewership for that. So please go batch it. <laughs> <laughs> so so in my, in my history in, in competitive gaming and stuff, playing and casting and being in, you know, just in the industry in general, I know a lot of teams that consider their, themselves the vacation team, right? Uh, and that is a team that does just well enough to just make sure that they uh, <laughs> look uh, at you. Match <laughs> up that, match up that free ticket, right? Yeah. And I mean, with that kind of play style, if Dynasty doesn't change anything, I mean, are they going to Hawaii? Probably. Yeah. Are they going to like go far in Hawaii? Probably not. <laughs> but free vacation, you know? Uh that, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true, but it's right. fun to think about. It, it, it feels oddly like a different metaphor for your point, Joe. It pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous. Be careful with what you do with that. You know, you, there's, a, there's a responsibility. Um, I, I said this after New York, and I don't know if, I'm, if I want to backpedal from it, I guess. Um, I do think they have to diversify their portfolio, 100%. Why they haven't? 
I'm going to allude and dance around a point regarding the format and, you know, the current, uh, you know, situation that we're playing through currently. You can decipher what I mean by that. Um, it has something to do with certain heroes being removed from the game. I think that's probably the culprit. I think certain teams, um, there, there's a fork in the road when it comes to what you prepare. I think you either prepare one thing that's performing really well for you or you prepare a lot of different things to see what works. I think I would guess again projecting here that if you asked all the coaches in the league they probably would come to a similar conclusion where there's this one comp that we think is really really good and works for us so that we're just going to get really good at that and hopefully that lands or we try everything we see what you know philly's doing we maybe see a little bit from them you know maybe we still you know something from new york combine them come up with our own style splash that in some maps like being flexible doesn't give you it'll book your ticket to hawaii if you're good, if you can find that refinement, but it's the the innovation that again consistently will find you tournament wins. What I saw from Seoul versus New York was that like creativity, innovation, that that stylistic play that could see them win Hawaii. Are they an outside shot still? One hundred percent. They're currently what one and one with with an even map diff. Not not looking super fantastic regarding a, a direct ticket like you could be an outside chance but if they make it i wouldn't be surprised if Seoul does extremely well because of this goofy hog reaper stuff like it like is context, just so out outlandish context is so important with that if you said that about fuel comp i'm like 100 percent on board yeah but i feel like hog comp man like of all the it compositions is, to like want consistency out of the only the, the way that that works i think the the best case scenario is that teams prep for soul uh and they maybe have a team you know that is cool with playing something like that but they're not going <laughs> to sure. play it as well as soul cuz soul is oh. obviously practicing it and they don't spend all their time on it because they think, okay, we understand the hard hard counters. Maybe we'll play, uh, you know, some stuff that we think are going to be is going to be able to deal with some of those problems that are going to be mm -hmm. uh, in there. Because I think that that comp thrives on like just pure chaos and taking yeah. so many different angles and eventually just swallowing up team yeah. uh, in a team fight, just slowly but surely whittling them down. Um, but that's probably the only way that I see that working. If a team decides, okay, we know we're going to play them at some point. We see that they line up with us in the bracket and we're going to really spend some really quality time on this and figure it out and then have some good scrim partners that are re really good at that as well, that they can perform with that comp. It's a big outside shot that uh, Soul Dynasty makes it past 100%. that team. You know, and there I, might be multiple teams that wind up doing that. You know, their first and second round. It, it's... It's going to come down to them showing a little bit more regard. Obviously, they have to win their next two matches if they want to. Right? They have to beat the charge, which feels doable. And then they have to, you know, beat up on Chengdu. It feels a little closer there. Um, Seoul still kind of is showing colors of inconsistency in some situations. Yes, they're the comps that they're running because they seem to just really like Hawk Reaper right now. But it's the consistent performances and that's where it, it still feels a little shaky. Um, if they can diversify that portfolio just a little bit more, maybe run a little bit on, on maps that, you know, have these really tight chokes. That's going to be really hard for the hog to really kind of get through and do anything with and, and abuse it 
on maps and, and game types that do kind of favor it, like control, like defending on two CP, like it changes the game, like nearly at a fundamental level because you have effectively like three DPS or maybe even considering hog like four. Um, he just is such a gigantic threat. And if you don't have to clear so much ground to get to the objective and actually get to the team fight, fights don't play out as we've kind of known them to for the last like five years. Like if a hog just comes back in your staggering two CP, he gets a kill and he persists longer than most characters in the game anyways. So it's like the way that you play the game shifts and it is really jarring. It's jarring to watch. It's jarring to play. I'd have to imagine. Um, if they can refine that down and expand it, I, I do think they have a shot at, at at a weird joust victory. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, at this point, you've got to ask if that's just a property of the players they've built. got to ask if there's some <laughs> rudimentary staff or like... The you know who You know who I think it is? And I and this is this is maybe the, the fan Arnold, in me listen, saying... Listen, listen, listen. I, I think this is MMA. I think this is their coach from StarCraft, who harassed my race for years with similar garbage. Um, just, a, just a very aggressive StarCraft player just abused Zerg at every single point in time. There was Banshees, there was Hellions, there was Reaper. Everything he could do to draw the match and really kind of bog the, the enemy down. This feels like that with like the, the Reaper TP with the teleporting and then gestures flanking gets a hook. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just so harass based. Like it's yeah. not standard at all, even though it was standard in Overwatch. When I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to claim that MMA was a cheeser by any stretch of the imagination, but like the aggression, the, the just trying to. I see the pattern. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It how is, much it is a stretch, but yeah, no, no idea. The thing is, like, I, something I, I like, like the connection, like the double air comp with like Echo, Farah. And then the sure. hawk ball or whatever on the flanks, and like then you have a mercy, and the only thing that's on the ground is an ano that stands like fifty meters away, basically, and spawn mm -hmm. just like long range healing. You're just like fighting for one on one picks. Like yes, that's kind of out of the box. That's just like annoying yeah. and high mental bandwidth to play around, right? Yeah, no. stress the stress the enemy out, make them make them decide a lot of things because Overwatch players aren't great at that. Decision making has always been a criticism because there is so many big decisions you have to make in like rapid succession. But if you can stress that with like throwing some bizarre comp that you kind of vaguely have an idea of what you're doing on. And then putting pressure on them because they can't get to anybody because you have two flyers in the air. The only target is Anna and she's 50 you know, yards away. And then there's a wrecking ball just kind of like smacking you as you're trying to think on the fly. Like there's a lot of openings that you can get because you 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 can abuse them through all their their little, you know, mispositioning and, and having, you know, it, everything kind of breaks down at that point. Communication kind of flubs out and, and it's just a it's just a mess. I attribute that towards this kind of out of the box thinking that I, I believe MMA brings. I have no idea if he brings, but that's who I think it's. Yeah. And I'm sure Arnold, Arnold will let us know based on the shitstorm <laughs> your, your statements. Both of you, by the way, will will cause. Um, right. 120, let's look ahead. And the first mm -hmm. thing, of course, when we're talking about Preds, is talk <laughs> about the Pred God. <laughs> I mean, you have, you have popped off. You can't, you know, if there was ever a time to gloat, you know, being top, what, 50 in the world for No, Jim I'm Joust, second. 
Okay, sure. Top ten in the world. Top five. However far. No, top gone. two. I just said second. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold it's on, not on, over. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm gonna start the two minute timer right now. Okay, go. Okay. Can can I stretch a scrimbucks baby for two minutes? <laughs> like <laughs> your longest scrimbucks baby ever. Right. So, in in essence, right? Like what happened last week was not that hard to predict. Right? Like, the last week was not the thing. The week beforehand was actually probably what I, sure. I wanted the most, even though, like, I just got, like, I only got two ma uh, matches where I didn't get the full three points, right? Mm. That, that was basically, like, the, the way I got um, to be high up there. But there's something to be said about the predictability of games towards the start of a stage, and then as it develops... Sure, of course. What it does to like soft resetting your expectations because yes, like a team like Paris can suddenly look better. A team like Justice can go from four and zero to whatever that was, like the the, the week before, where I think you even said like there there might be the worst team in uh, in this meta in the West. So yeah. probably like, not the case anymore now that we've seen Valen. And Vancouver, but you know, definitely not, not great. <laughs> yeah, and it's not great. And I expect them to to bounce back. Um, not sure to which degree, but 100%. this week, based on the matchups that are being that are happening, feels mm. a lot harder to me. Like it already yeah. starts with like really hard matches to to, to, to predict. With memory serves right, with kicking off tomorrow with Paris against Boston. Now, Boston. I think the fact what we're hearing and maybe we shouldn't overvalue that fact, but like what with Elevote, maybe we should like maybe that helps us a little bit in order to make that decision. I think mm -hmm. I would have gone Boston either way, but um sure. the the situation now is that of course the Boston Uprising is playing against the Paris Eternal, both teams that had sort of like a glow up recently. So, Curix is that an obvious uprising win? Hmm, I wouldn't say obvious. I don't think I don't think obvious is the right turn. Uh, I would say yeah, yes, a win, but mm -hmm. not not obvious. We're a friend of percentages on this podcast, so how, how high do you think the percentage <laughs> of uh, Boston winning is? So it's like we're 70, betting then. 70, 30, 60, 40, where do you, where do you kind of fall? I'll say 70, 30. I think that's fair. Okay. Mm -hmm. Outside shot for for Paris to kind of maybe sneak yeah. in and win. Sure. I think they definitely get a map. Uh, oh, I think yeah. that's I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I, beyond that, I think it's really hard to tell because a, a lot of that does, in my opinion, fall on uh, how much Paris can accomplish. You know, over you know the last couple of days and then the next what is it day, two days or whatever that they have to be able to build things out and figure stuff out. Cause I, I mean, very clearly this is a team that is improving very quickly right now. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, how, how, how behind Boston are they? And then can they reach that marker in time for this weekend? I don't, I don't personally know uh, to be perfectly honest with you, but I think they're close. 100%. I think if, if Ellie vote was able to stay and, you know, he was able to play at 100% capacity. I, I do think this is actually a pretty, a pretty, you know, fun match to watch because I think both teams, like Jessica said, big glow ups. I think they're kind of finding their sea legs and, you know, it, it was kind of set to be a good match. I think it still will be a good match, but you kind of have to give Boston the, the nod just out of 
the situation at hand. I think if they play, you know, two months from now, I think you still get a, a banger, hopefully, if, if both teams can remain consistent. Um, but yeah, it, you know, if we're jumping into predictions, yeah, I'd have to give Boston the the, the heavy favorite, I'd say. All right. Yeah, I think uh, it's a 3-1 for me. I think that's that's the most likely score here. That's what I have too. It felt mm. it felt a lot closer to me maybe beforehand. Um, I, I yeah, in in that regard, not that I like like whatever happened to Elavoge. It just like made that decision to be a little bit more obvious, a little bit than, easier um, than it would have been. Now the last next one. I don't know if you have a clear opinion on this. I don't know, dude. I might as well flip a coin in order to determine <laughs> that one. Um, like yeah. where you, do you land on Dallas? Florida. I don't think the meta, at least in the West, is that far away from what Dallas is super comfortable with. Um, so I think they're still within their wheelhouse a little bit. Um, I think it has significantly affected them um, because it isn't the exact same heroes. So I think you're seeing a lot more deaths, early deaths out of Sparkle. Uh, but but in a general archetypical kind of concept for them, I think they 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 find comfort. Mayhem, on the other hand, I'm a little shaky on. Uh, I kind of assumed that they were going to do well against Houston, and I didn't really see that. Like it seemed like they were a little out of sorts. If there's a team to kind of bounce back, I'd have to say it is the Florida Mayhem. But is that enough to stop you know somebody who's riding high off of confidence, somebody who's still comfortable what it looks like um with the meta I, I i don't think so i have this i have this going dallas's way in like a close three one with pop you know perhaps a tie in there or maybe it goes three two it's tough to say but i have a three one going dallas yeah i do too I, unfortunately for mayhem this is like a must win because mm-hmm. dallas has that game against titans i mean yeah <laughs> it should be that's a game what a barn burner uh i mean so they, they literally have to win this because they also i think their second game is what justice that they have this 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 coming weekend so that one mm-hmm. i believe in justice ever so slightly more than the titans uh just off of roster alone but uh, obviously the justice haven't had a very strong performance but this is a must win unfortunately i don't think that they are going to win it i, I think dallas fuel are just kind of to your point joe's there's they're just so comfortable with what they're doing right now and they Mm. kind of are allowed to be um i think things might develop beyond that obviously there have been teams that have been playing things like uh arisa comps and stuff like that that maybe we'll see in playoffs you know taking a little bit uh over to some degree at least in some instances but i mean who are we to say dallas that comp worked the first time why not a second right 100 percent. it's it's kind of straightforward it's something that they play really well with super hyper coordinated i think so hard to play against man oh god it's it's just a speedy ver it's not goats i know it's but it's just this death ball run you over to get on top of you instantly and they do a really good geometry to get there um i think there are ways and things that people can do not too dissimilar to the Soul Dynasty, to be able to abuse that. We just haven't seen it in the West just yet. Um, I, I, th- I kind of give the nod in a way to, to Paris in some sense, a little bit of Atlanta in there as well. Um, I think they are kind of the leaders when it comes to like the slower comp. I think if I had it my way, I think Winston will probably 
you know, trend out. However, we're already halfway done with the stage, so that trend might be too far in the future to actually see. Um, or it just becomes more map dependent. So is it is it enough? I don't it's hard to say. I really don't see them performing extremely well when it comes to Hawaii if they make it, which it kind of looks like they're going to. Um, or at least, you know, be in the running for it. So it's tough. It's it's really hard, but yeah, I, it's it's hard not to go Dallas. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like Mayhem always has like the ability to surprise in those situations. Oh, totally. Sure. 100%. But is that measurable? Can you just like count on that though? I mean, I can count on it to a decent degree. And if I knew how the scrims went and I don't, <laughs> then like I could easily see like that this week of scrims could have flipped that matchup on its own. Flip a coin. Divinate. I will, I will like. Let's go, wizard. Within the last five minutes of this being uh, possible, I will put in my score depending on the, <laughs> the information level that I have, the coin flips that I've done. Or you can just be like me or... and forget it entirely and just not select any team. That's what I've been doing lately. Oof. Yeah, that, that one hurts, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, that's tough. Yeah, I think the safe play is Dallas, of course. It just there's something that doesn't feel right about it. Also, in the performances that Dallas has shown, the tea us leaves, so far. you know, you know, like you the know, vibrating, the the story the signs. of of Dallas Fuel isn't like they bounced back from a bad start and then won the June Joust and have have been rolling since. Mm. Like they lost one, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. To a team yeah. that I'm currently rhetorically trying to play over because I don't remember. <laughs> but <laughs> it was shock, right? Was it's it? a shock. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, of course, that also really a team that, that started rolling. Yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm a little, little bit. It, okay, this is a weird one. because Okay, we, we'll get to them as well, but prob mm -hmm. the problem is they won't have great reflector teams. In terms of how well they're actually doing, because the Justice and the Titans aren't great teams to measure teams against. Yeah. But do you actually think, like, what whatever the people are doing at the moment, like saying Shock is the best team in this meta, is true? Is that your perception of their play? I mean, again, I hate to just default to it's too early to tell. Um, you love, but to I do think that, if though, with your most opinions, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I only have wrong opinions somehow drag onto the show. Um, and that's not supposed to be a, a gloat for me. It's not tooting my own horn. It's just more self No, no, no. He was very... Um, no, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <an> asshole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, if they can keep Glister at the, the level that he's at, I think hmm. that's an added weapon that's going to be super, super beneficial. I like what I'm seeing regarding his positioning. Um... Somebody in chat can correct me on what map it was. It might have been Dorado. I don't remember the point. Um, but they were doing like Temple of Anubis style looping with Widow, where like the team would push up. I think it was was Dallas. Um, the team would push up and he would just go on like these massive flanks because they he knows that he's not going to be contested. Um, that could just be a fault of Dallas because they don't have a mid to long range hit scan to kind of keep him honest. Like he can just kind of run around the map and do whatever he wants. And we kind of saw that. Um so I like that. I like the comfortability there. It seems like they're kind of gelling finally because we're not seeing Violet on DPS as much as I'd love to see a kid showcase like world-class level at two roles, which at least 
was a possibility last stage or, or last month. So are they the best? Ah, uh, it, it's it's hard to say. Are they the best in the West? I think that's a better or, or a, a much more comfortable position. I think I, I'd be more comfortable to say that they could be the best in the West. Um, but in the meta, it's so hard. It's so different. Yeah, it's so different when it comes to the West and the East. Yeah. Now, I think it'd be easier to say, are they among the most impressive? Yes, but as soon as you qualify yeah. it with best, it's best. Yep. Agreed. That's what makes it hard for me personally. Interesting. I mean, Glad's Shock, what is it? Spark. Those are all teams that have really impressed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say best is a tough call, I feel like, I, at, the, at maybe, the current moment. Yeah. By the end of the week, when we see a little bit more from Spark, when we see Granted yeah. basically gets a bye week because they're playing Vancouver Injustice, which again feels like gimmies. Um, Glad's even still like I can't discredit them at this point because they're they're winning the matches they should. But if they come into this week again, they play Boston, they play Paris. Like if they look shaky, I don't know what to do with this team. I don't see the same like cleanliness, even though they yes shock dropped them map to Dallas. Um, but I I just I have this weird cloud over over the gladiators that i just can't shake and i need to see like an impressive just like 3030 back to back no problems yes and i don't expect that and i don't know why it's it's so hard to tell maybe i'm just so clouded from may melee and expectations being kind of floundered but i need to see it see like that seems to be a big rain cloud because that's my feeling about shock as well like ah. the fact that this team, I, I mean, maybe that's it's super narrative analysis, but like the fact that the that the spell broke of making every single semifinal last uh, last tournament cycle, mm. which admittedly is very different than previous because you got like a lot of chances in order to make it yeah. there, and there is there should be a more inherent variance in in expected right based on less games. Expect. And like stronger field and whatnot, right? But mm. if they don't do it now, the era is over, dude. And it, I'm not yeah. talking about this week's matches. They will win one. They will qualify for it easy peasy. Yeah. But then the match after, and maybe they need to do two matches depending on wh- which uh, which uh, position they have. I assume at this point that they will qualify as first seed. Therefore, like only having to play one. If they mm-hmm. lose that match and don't go to Hawaii, that's when the streak is over for me. That's I it. think for me, it's slightly different. I definitely agree to an extent. Um, I kind of define it as the era of dominance versus the era of success, right? Like it is very clear to me that the era of dominance for the San Francisco is in jeopardy. If they do not. Yes. Even if they make Hawaii, they place fourth. It's like. Did the games look dominating? Did it look like the shock of old mm-hmm. where they just come in, they they refine the style to like the nth degree and they just diff you in every role? I don't see that anymore. That could be the format. They could be where they're at now. Maybe we'll sure. see that. in whole- Don't drop a map and they go to the finals, right? Like then we can really kind of talk about it kind of coming back or just having a blip. But it, it feels like the era of dominance is, is, is in jeopardy. But the era of success doesn't, I, I feel like it's too far out to say. Yeah. Right. If they, 
if they kind of middling through the season, they get to Hawaii or not Hawaii, but they get to the playoffs. Well, they say, yeah. do well. They get yeah, to no, grand no. finals. Maybe they don't capture it. Yeah. it. It's still a successful season. It's yeah. still a successful team. No, I, I feel like the fact that they won't, even if they don't see more than like one uh, Hawaii one or two times, um, their chances of winning the season re uh, playoffs doesn't significantly de decrease for me. Because okay. like I still like when you and the season playoffs will give you more chances to fail and mm -hmm. grind into a meta and just like eke it out. Like keep in mind last uh, like, like season two wasn't clean either. Like if we didn't have double elim elimination, then Atlanta Rain makes it through. But well, twenty nineteen. Se yeah, season two. Um, yeah. Then like that that is a different. Like we we gotta keep the the systemic differences in mind like shock were never mm -hmm. like or at t only at times super clean and never lost right once again they yep. like they they never won a regular season but like stomped every tournament seemingly and only like um didn't make the finals like two times or something right yep. so yeah like it, it they still ha of course always have a shot at the three-peat with the t uh, type of talent that they have of course the best uh, coach the Overwatch League or Overwatch 1 has ever seen this is by the way like after Overwatch 1 is f finished we'll have to have a Hall of Fame discussion because this is going to turn into a very different game Krusty is the coach of that no questions asked there's no other competitor um, and at that point like they, you, you will always have the potential for a 3 -peat, even if they just barely make it into uh, the playoffs but yes Agreed. this cloud hangs over them now I don't think like we need to talk a lot about the shock games and the likelihood that they will beat both the titans and even yeah. the justice and how they looked now the gladiators are a more interesting part of me uh, for me right because they come in with a lot of stocks but it is still true and once again we're talking about the season format here that mm. all they did so far mess up is one week of play. Agreed. Right? Like, that's Agreed. all... Like, they went 0-2, I think it was in the first week of, of the season. Yeah. And then, like, they couldn't make it to a Y anymore, despite winning the next two. And since then, they haven't lost. So, like, the narrative of them not having made a tournament is sort of different now, right? My in, only issue with that, my only problem is that the two weeks uh, weren't good reflectors to kind of use your terminology, sure. right? Nope. Week one, yeah. they didn't perform hard week. Week two, easy week. Haven't lost since. Okay. That's fine. But like this feels like a good reflector where it's Boston actually performing well. This is a good test for Glads. This is a good litmus test to say, where are the Glads at? Where are the, how are they comfortable in this meta? Can they dominate like they apparently they have been, right? This feels like the game that, that we we can actually see what this team or where this team is at in, in terms of the standings, because I don't think we've had a good grasp of them thus far. And that's partially due to the format. It kind of is to blame. Curix, how good are the gladiators in your minds? And can I convert you to the Church of Scrimbucks? <laughs> I'm always convertible. 100% uh, <laughs> of the time, I am definitely convertible. I, I will say, um, I'm kind of in the same boat 
in regards to that cloud that kind of exists over gladiators but i think that stems less so from may melee and more so the gladiators organization in general um it feels like time and time again i see that glad roster uh announcement and i'm like oh man this this could be good and every time it doesn't feel like they hit the level that i expect them to um mm. and certainly in may melee it felt like that kind of was a uh, a prop- prophecy fulfilled in, in a lot of ways um, that, you know, that was one that I expected, you know, gladiators to just come out swinging hard. And certainly now here in June Joust, they definitely are doing that. And I think that they could conceivably finish out this uh, tournament at 4-0 uh, in this stage of it, having gone through some very tough opponents. Certainly these last two, I think, could be difficult i mean boston and paris together um i mean especially with the way that those two teams are right now like literally right now that's those are some interesting matchups and i think my opinion of gladiators is going to be entirely based upon their performance against these Mm -hmm. last two opponents how do they finish out this uh this particular stage of this tournament and then i'll easily be able to shift into you know what will be my final opinion of them but right oh, now i think they're really strong i think it's you, you can't doubt the strength that they have it definitely feels like they've gelled a lot more now uh that they've had a little bit more time as opposed to you know even what we saw in May melee and i think um the the talent has been there for a while i mean a lot of the pieces that i'm a big fan of um, even ones that we may not see often. I mean, I'm still a huge fan of Mirror. I think Kevster was one of the best talents to come out of Contenders. Sure. Bird Ring hitting stride again uh, for what feels like the first time in a long time, uh, as well as some of the other talent they pulled in. Shu is someone that I've been uh, really high on. I think everybody's been really high on. Moth. Yeah. I mean, everything here individually is great. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's just finally now coming together. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned Kevster, and that's definitely something that I've heard a lot from like the contenders casters, just by and large, is that Kevster is a nut. He's gonna pop off, like just wait, like he's insane. I know he's playing on ping, but like, do you like is that the same player that you saw on bar? Like, is he kind of playing at a similar level, or do you think there there's a limitation put on him? What are your thoughts on Kevster thus far? Because I'm not necessarily seeing the collision right. of like insane player versus what I'm seeing with glads. Yeah, I, I think has he hit what we've seen uh in tier two yet? I don't think so. Okay. Uh the the thing that makes Kevster so great that I that I think made him such a problem to deal with at the lower level and could continue if if this team does well and he continues to do well as a product of that. Mm-hmm. I think is also going to become a problem is the fact that you can't really prep for him because mm-hmm. he is someone, okay. he's one of those players that, you know, you, you have your players that are like specialists, you know, with projectile or hit scan. Right. We all know the, we all know the ticket. We all know what the rules are, but the thing about Kevster that makes him so dangerous is that he is one of the best mechanically at pretty much every head scan. And mm. that includes every projectile as well. We saw him already on the Doomfist. I think yep. this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken, we saw him a little bit on it uh, on Busan. I could be wrong about that. I think it was Busan um, where we saw him pull that out. I know his widow is a, a very top tier among the best that I've seen personally. And in the moments where we've seen him streak his high, I wouldn't want to be in the lobby against him. Um, 
he can play so many different things that makes him so hard to prepare for it. H- has he hit that yet? I don't think so. Um, okay. But I think that's a good sign rather than a bad sign. It's all about outlook with oh, him, I think. To growth. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he has the capacity to hit where I expected him to, which will inevitably higher be higher than what I've personally seen um, outside of the league. And I think he has hit moments where he did hit that, but it hasn't mm. been as consistent. And I think that consistency is something that he could reach this year. And if that's the case, Gladiators are going to do really well, especially considering all the other pieces that they have in that roster as well. 100%. I, you know, going back and looking at the game, yeah, there was a little bit of um, and, and a solid performance from you know by and large what what kind of sticks out to me is the different preparations of comps like being able to play you know a double shield on defense on certain maps feeling comfortable going ball on control feeling comfortable kind of shifting the the tempo of the game to where they see fit does give me some confidence and it's part of the reason why i have them winning both of these games obviously with paris it's a little bit more uh cut and dry it feels like these you know, at least right now with with Elliot leaving so late kind of prediction stages knows, man. it's tough uh, i agree i you know you could have an pop off and they oh. do really you're, like you're it's breaking off by the way uh oh am i yeah, yeah yeah. oh my bad um yeah it's it's tough to say i i, I do have glad's kind of winning but it's i do too i mean as much as i want to sit here and to. say like I would love to see, you know, a player get pulled up from contenders, perform really well, you know, have that aspire moment. Then we have back-to-back weekends where contenders players just pop off. I, I mean, I would love that. And I, I would love for the end result yeah. for that to be Paris actually winning. I mean, Defiant couldn't get that particular thing done. I mean, granted their opponent, but either way, mm. um, I, I would personally love that. However, I mean, all that being said, Gladiators, in my opinion, are still expected to take these. And if they do... If they are successful in, in getting that 4-0, I think that I'm going to be a lot higher on them than even I am right now. I, again, I think individually, they're all great. Uh, it was all about this team gelling. That's something that Gladiators, I think, has kind of struggled with in the past, with all their other iterations even. Um, but now this feels like they're kind of hitting their stride when they really need to, because getting morale right now and then going into potentially yeah. Hawaii with it as well, that, that's that's big timing, especially when you know you're going to be going into summer show- showdown with all that and what mm-hmm. you just get talked with uh, space about already you know when you have some of that time off and you can see what everybody else is up to i mean just more benefits it, this whole tournament structure is all about snowballing if you're doing poorly you're going to do way sure. worse and yeah. if you're doing really well you're going to continue to do well probably speaking of like doing well like in this matchup specifically like gladiators against boston mm. and this has also been like something that other people talk to me about which is like there's there's two aspects to this i am 37 okay l- l- let me actually okay l- let me go all out on this in this season he played for the defiant he might have mm. like turned out to be the worst performing player in the overwatch yes. league when he was actually playing like the first couple of matches were fine and then it went woo and I didn't see this kid coming back ever. Mm-hmm. And then he went, goes to that other team. He comes back. The last two weeks, people have been telling me this, this guy is like cracked out of his mind uh, for, like, for unknown reasons. And by the way, currently for the award of most improved player, 
in in terms of like how depending on how you define it but sure sure the sure. lows he had in i think it was season two when he was defined right yeah to now is astronomically nuts to me right so that that is like yeah. that's my favorite thing to watch about boston at the moment like how is mm -hmm. this guy going to continue developing uh in that team also in the structure that Lori has built for him under which Agreed. he flourished once once again right yeah so it, it sounds like he plays a pretty important role i am 37 that is kind of um bringing the the western and korean players kind of together as this 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 bridge um and it was something if memory serves was, was talked about with his time in defiant as well um i know that boston has kind of shifted more towards you know kind of having a fully korean roster but it, it's something that you kind of have to keep on paper with regarding his performance <laughs> I still was not high on him coming into the preseason. I saw a mm -hmm. lot of the same issues I did in season yeah. two as I'm seeing in season four. Yes, he's has he's had an uptake. Yes, this you know they might have found a, a a role or a position for him at the micro level that that sees him find a lot of success. I'm gonna try to find a way to to you know synonym this, but I need um I need more distance in the race, right? I need I need a little bit. From him before I can accurately say yes, he's improved and he should be put on the same level as, as like a Ben, uh, a Ben Best last season or, or somebody you know similar where you right. can see the, the the clear improvement. This could be a specific meta. This could be a specific role or a style that they figured out. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. And unfortunately, this, this again, is not the meta where you prove that most likely. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. It's it's tough. It's one. It, it's so chaotic depending on the style that you play or playing into um you i think we will have a, a definitive opinion or a clear one rather uh, by the end of the season regarding i am 37 he has performed well you can't you can't discredit that but is that a consistent thing you can count on i'm not i'm not entirely too sold yeah no it's definitely at least just like one of those stories to keep track of because oh of course yeah, yeah. boston's a fun team to watch i mean you have you know again a team Historically, has not necessarily you know done all that great since season one. They've blundered two seasons in a row, and now they're coming in looking fantastic. Myungbong, yeah. granted, his Baptiste has been a little uh, suspect at times. He's looked fantastic, has looked fantastic for years. Finally, activating him and giving pieces to kind of work around. Finally, Stand One coming in doing great. Um, I am thirty seven performing well. Valentine and Lori kind of just having their breakout performance and finally giving this team some legs to stand under. It is the kind of rubber band that we mentioned at the start of the show, right? Like you do bad and then you do good. As reductive as it is, yeah. Curix, is Geboshi an upgrade or is it just nice that this team that can now fully come in Korean? I feel like it's got to be both. Um, mm. Oddly enough, actually, I, I think I think definitely that's going to be a factor of being able to have all of your comms just in one single language. I mean, everybody can speak to, oh, we have like a system, you know, that works for us and everything like that. But at the end of the day, being able to just describe everything in detail and to be able to make adaptations on the fly without it being confusing. I mean, that is just undoubtedly uh, probably one of the easiest uh, like boons you could just apply to your team just by bringing a different player in of the same skill, skill level. However, I do think that uh, that is a player that I can remember casting um, back when I was doing Contenders Korea and always a standout. Um, mm -hmm. 
So it's not surprising to me to see him doing well, but to discount the fact that this could very well be just a comms thing, I, I think it's easily both. Easily both. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so I think we, we would probably have to give this to Gladiators, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. As um, much as I'd, I'd love to go spicy and say Boston, you know, I can't, I can't waffle on a lot. You're breaking up again. Sick, because... Yeah, it's, it's Glads. Yeah. yeah. Same probably for the Paris series, right? We can say that's Glads as well. That's probably like a 3-0, yep. even I would say here. Um, I, would, I would love for them to pick up a Contenders player and pop off. Aspire yeah. 2.0, but... Yeah, yeah, probably Glads. And then, I mean, we don't need to talk really about Shock. Titans, that will be a stomp. Now, an interesting match, maybe, depending on if... Like, once again, there's an absolute possibility that a team that wins 4-0 has one bad week and comes back with pretty good performances. And that's the Florida Mayhem against the Washington Justice. Where, where do you land on that one? Uh, I, I personally just am just going to go with Mayhem. I mean, to be honest with you, as much as, you know, all my friends here... And in my area would love for me to say justice right now. And given, you know, their track record, I, I, I would love to see them continue that up, upward trajectory that they've been on. Okay, here um, comes the dagger. Step, step it in. Stick it in. <laughs> Let's go. The fact of the matter is, is that I think with this meta specifically, uh. I think they're behind. Um, and Mayhem doesn't feel as behind to me. I think Mayhem is a little bit more behind than they were last tournament yeah. obviously yeah but um i think mayhem takes this 3-1 personally yeah i think so I, I you would have to pred that based on the first week's uh, performance right i think yeah. that's very likely to to be the case we'll see um could be a good match though all things considered so we'll see about that now the the other one Yes, we already said like the um, the gladiators against the P P Paris Eternal. That's likely gladiators. Dallasview against the Titans. Whatever. I assume <laughs> you guys would also say then shock versus justice is probably no shock, shot, right? Dude. No shot. Mayhem beats justice, but justice slams shock, dude. Just in the dirt, man. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's for sure. For, yeah, for shock. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh my god, I was about to to like. <laughs> Call you Bill Simmons or something. I was going to get kicked off the podcast like right, right then, just immediately ejected from the call. Yeah, the cra craziest homo with those spreads. Um, <laughs> right. Mindful of the time, let's look at the APAC region. And there, I would argue, to me, it feels way more straightforward than it does uh, in the West. Agree? Or do you think there's more spice than I am giving it credit for? I mean, we can we can sort of okay. Let's do this. Let's go match by match, and then we sort of source our feelings of how hard that was after the, after the fact, right? So, okay. charge F Philly. What do you think? Philly went o two in the first week. Charge had that upset victory, sort of looking like better now. What's what's the situation uh, right now? Is he there yet? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. And also, does how much does that matter? 
is the other question. Yes. I mean, are they gonna are they gonna play yeah, him? Do they swap him in? I mean, I'm personally really high on EQO, but I mean, do they pull him in almost immediately? I think that there's maybe some question of, uh, about that, but mm -hmm. I still think Fusion is a team that is capable of having a higher high than what we've seen from them so far in this tournament. Oh, of course. And I, I think it would be easy to sit here and say, okay, Charger's going to take this, let's move on. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think this could be a closer game than I would have thought it would have been uh, like towards the beginning of this tournament, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be one that Fusion's going to take, but there's still a lot of, there's too many questions right now. Is EQO there? How long has he been playing with them? Is he going to play at all? Without that kind of stuff answered, it's hard for me to say, but I do have charge taking this personally, even still. Um, but the question of how close it's going to be is d entirely dependent on what the answers to those questions are. And I don't think we're ever going to get those until, you know, day of. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Um, I kind of respect Philly's coaches enough to think that they'll find something to improve on. Um, but it's tough when your last couple matches have been against, especially against New York. Uh, it, that's a team that I definitely don't rate all that high. Um, and dropping that is not a strong sign of meta stability for them. So it's, you know, I have charge winning, but I think it's going to be a three, two could be close. I wouldn't be shocked if Philly comes out and actually looks good you know, yeah. ekes it out in the end. But yeah, I think odds on, I'd say charge. Joel. Joel. Oh, no. Scrimbox, baby! Woo! That's Philly. Oh. I'm pretty sure, based on the information that I receive from, from people around uh, that particular scene, I think Philly looks a lot approved. Um... Mm. I don't know if this charge uptick was a fluke. Um, keep in mind, these matches, um, in terms of... No, uh, is the charge... No, the charge is at the uh, Hangzhou homestand, right? Yep. I believe so, yep. Playing none of the teams that are at the homestand. <laughs> True. And I wonder if that difference in environment also makes a difference, and the, the level of practice that they will Good. be able to get there. Of course, like we saw, like that they probably will have like pretty sweet practice environments there as well, based on like just like casually four skyscrapers, flashing spark colors, not skyscrapers, but a bit large office buildings. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Super dope. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like it, I think that works against them. Um, I think generally speaking, like it, there's a high chance that the fusion win the next two they probably it's hard for them to make it in they got a stomp three though zero both I, I games think i think it's three one and they make it in if if they beat charge three one and then they three oh what is it valiant mm -hmm. then yeah. they make it in it's it's yeah it's, it also depends probably on the on the rest of the uh oh, the results, everybody right? else plays yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, true, there's, yeah. there's some yeah. some variants still there um eric's um i'll, I'll show you this Eric's uh, Monte Carlo simulation has them uh, at 30% qualifying in either fourth or third place. So that's still decent. It's based on the um, IBM ELO. Think of that what you may. Um, I think the 
the match against Valiant is probably higher than 80% what they allotted here. I also think the charge one, probably based on the information I have, is uh, higher, is 70-30. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I think there's a solid like 40% chance that they make it into the, uh, into the bracket. Mm. Um, after that, yes, it, it's highly contextual <laughs> also to who's available. Um, there's a real shot that there's a three-way tie at 2-2 two, two plus 1 between XL, Fusion, Charge. I wouldn't say the real chance because I think that's entirely dependent on uh, the scoreline for one of the Charge games to just be like crazy. Like you would mm -hmm. have to see like Charge 3-0 Soul uh, and then get like 3-1 by Philly or something like that. But if that kind of stuff happens, <laughs> there is a three-way tie, 2-2 two, two plus one, between all three of those teams. I, I don't know if that's actually a tie, because... okay, I th Yeah, they think they have other breakers. There yeah, yeah, now. I think there's direct comparison. Like, the Fusion yeah. would have had beaten Charge, so the Charge is ahead there. And then... Uh, I mean, it depends on what, what you think the, the rest will In a three-way, I don't think you have head-to-heads as an option. Really? I don't think so, because the, it has to be head-to-head -head against both. If they beat both, mm. then I could see that as a thing. Then they go to third, but then you still have that, uh, uh, like, who goes to fourth then? True. Is, yeah. is that, is, are those treated as then separate head-to-head tie, uh, -head tiebreakers where you say, okay, for example, you know, team A beat team B and C. So mm -hmm. they go into that third position. Now, team B did beat team C, so you just take it like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know specifically the rules for... Yeah, uh, the tiebreaker for this, but I'm I'm so, sure that would be easily figured out. Yeah, uh, hopefully if someone issues on that, like uh, someone of the of a community member had uh, messaged me. I can't get it up on stream right now, but there's a um, a tool called outstandings.com, and okay. if anyone wants to run through the iterations and post in chat, like. <laughs> What the what the find yourself in a black hole for like the next twelve hours yeah. just yeah. running through possibilities, <laughs> or in the next five minutes, so we can bring it up on the podcast. Chop chop. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Like. Yeah. These tiebreaker situations are always uh, always pretty challenging. So. Um. Yeah. We'll we'll see how that turns out. Uh. Next match. Uh. Eric, can you bring that up? Um. Chengdu Seoul. Chengdu Seoul. Oof. I'd, I I have no read on Chengdu, dude. Like that's a yeah, that's a nightmare for a game to predict. <sighs> Both that, of these teams a... threw me for a loop, man. Mm hmm. Because what Soul's doing with their comp is so freaking weird, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, how long before someone just catches on? But we said that for how long about Chengdu? Like, yeah. how many months did we say that about them? And still, they got value time and time again. So. I, I, yep. I, this is one that I would just straight up like close my eyes, click on the screen, type a three, and then tab, type a two, and whoever got the three is the winner. I don't know. <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah. Like if Chengdu has a little bit of stability, but still is leaning on like this chaotic, like kind of wonky, funny hero pick meta, them into Seoul is going to, it feels like it's just, a mirror of of two just chaotic teams um it'll be fun it'll be uh, an absolute bloodbath um it's a shame that we won't get it but you know both teams on stage to kind of you know vibe with the crowd and whatnot but 
I have a funny feeling that this is not going to be not going to be clean by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I and uh, uh, I don't know which way I want to go. Um, no, uh, I said I said I was going to stick with the predictions. I predicted I predicted Soul like a week ago, so I'm going to stick with Soul. I think they're going to stylize poorly against Chengdu technically, but maybe they stabilize a little bit. Maybe we see a little bit more double shield. It's it's so hard because they're so comfortable. Like they do not want to swap off this hog stuff. Uh, it's it's going to be a mess. It's going to be so weird. It, it's not going to look it's going to look like Overwatch, but in a very bizarre way. I love how uh, Hurix framed it as like I will put my hands over my eyes and Joe just going like this. Like in my mind, I was already singing like I push my fingers into my eyes. These teams' duality of like performance is crazy, right? Like they yeah. they are like in different ways. They are just like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, right? Like the one team is just like this wild box of chocolates where you just like you rattle it around. You don't know what you're getting. The other one has two types of chocolates for each game, mm -hmm. and like one's definitely better than the coconut. other. <laughs> <laughs> they both have coconut. I don't do. Yeah, yeah. Why is there coconut in this? Uh it's the worst, by the way. Coconut. The, the, is the, the worst. thing that's the thing that's crazy about um, the East region for me personally going into this weekend is that there are at least three games: uh, the Charge Fusion game, the Chengdu Soul game that we're talking about right now, and then the Guangzhou Soul game. Those three games, I think, are going to be retrospectively, like in the future, we're going to look back on those and be like, "Oh man, that changed like everything. Mm -hmm. Like that really, that's what really made everything happen." Because all of those teams involved there are all potentially on the bubble, maybe, maybe barring one, but they're all in a position where they need like perfection in a lot of ways and yeah. you're just not gonna get it like yeah. it's just not gonna be there yeah. so i mean this might be like <laughs> i hate to i hate to draw a parallel in this way because i i hate this phrase being used but in in american football we, we always say any given sunday that's just like i mean no matter what happens this weekend especially with those three games you go next weekend you play those matches again i mean entirely different results i mm, feel like for sure for sure, yeah. It's gonna be who's who's best on the day, and again, this is this is a, a thing that's that's powerful in this format. No matter how good your scrims are, no matter how good the practice is, if you don't show up on stage, NLXL, Glads, Atlanta to some degree, Houston to some degree, like doesn't matter. It can there is a there is a sense of of punchiness to this league right now, right? So I guess we don't really need to talk about the uh, Valiant games. I think that's pretty straightforward. Like maybe they <laughs> yeah, get a map. Losing. Um, uh maybe 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 probably some not against these teams yeah i don't know about that like it's actually at the point where like that's just like making food type of game like i i won't bother watching that stuff anymore nope. it's honestly nope. like i it's like bad. no front to the players that like no. this is just know. a badly put together team based on like if those rumors are true like bless your heart but like this is this is just not something I want to watch. I I could much much rather watch some contenders Korea of the best teams. Would definitely or, be more entertained by or that NAU? as well. Huh? 
NAU is what you meant to say? I feel like you meant to say NAU. <laughs> That's what I think you meant to say. Not like, <laughs> um, I mean, what, how else are you going to find out about the next expires, dude? That's the thing. True. I mean, I'd, I'd also time. really like to find about the next Pelican, you know? Like, fair, or choice of one. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No, like, I don't know. These games are just a waste of time for me, for my interests. Be, be my guest watching that. An orc that's completely disconnected from its history, has no narrative going for them, plays like garbage, like that. Nothing there appeals to me. So it, it is know. appealing to just mold. Like, it is a good, it's kind of cathartic in a way, just like watching them and just like ripping the remaining hair i have out of my head it's it is a weird kind of entertainment it's it's a it's kind of a sick entertainment to watch just a team flounder as as hard as they are yeah it would be funny to just see like one of these i hope this doesn't get clipped it would be funny to see one of of these games just get like swapped right in the right like mid match it's just like swapped to coverage of casters to masters instead it's just like right in the middle (laughs) just gets thrown in and then as soon as the game's over just Right back over to the uh, Chongdu the Valiant Star Gamers. Won. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh I mean, yeah, Valiant wins. Especially <laughs> insane, dude. Especially insane if it went that way. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. I've like I I, I respect their coaching stuff. Like they had some mm-hmm. times when they looked better competitive. It's just right now, it's just ugh. Yeah, it's not know. great. Um, Charge Soul. That's also not an easy one, but it's probably one oh. that. I mean, depending on what you see on Friday, you're changing your preds on Saturday. That's that type oh, of game, right? Easily. Yeah. I still... What did I actually say before I say some dumb shit? Yeah. I have Soul winning this 3-0. I don't trust Charge as far as Ooh. I can throw him. Um, I, I like them over Philly just because I've seen a lot less from Philly. And yes, they could improve. I obviously am, am very you know, excitable about some of their pieces. Um, but they just don't have their full team there. I, I respect their coaches enough to make it close, but I think it's too much ground to make up. Soul, on the other hand, I still, I, I have them kind of going far. I really like what I'm seeing. It, it has to improve though, right? Like I'm banking on them actually kind of widening out a little bit. Stop, you know, just one tricking this one comp and just running that into the ground. It has been successful thus far, but I don't think it'll continue to, to just be the only thing that you're allowed to do. It has to just be a flavor that you can throw out a team on a given map, a given game type that you think is, is you know best for it, right? I think you are going to see a little bit of stability from them, and I think that's going to be enough to put the charge away, especially if that you know the Roadhog uh, Reaper Zarya comp can kind of drag charge down on these certain game types. Not necessarily get in their head. It seems a little bit too too flowery, but I think it is going to throw a wrench in a lot of teams' game plans. And again, if we're talking about snowballing. In in game, it's it's tough when you just get you know diffed on on a weird comp and it throws you for a loop. That that affects you, right? Um, I have soul here convincingly, three um, zero. Interesting, Purex. Yeah, I don't have it as convincing as that personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Soul's going to take it. I think um, I agree with a lot of those points, but I also think that while it, they might be caught off guard initially. It's just one of those things that I think they're going to force Soul off of that in a lot of instances, because I think inherently there are um, at least semi-answers that you could kind of just instantly go to to try to kind of remove some of the value that they have inherently with that type of composition, especially when you look at uh, certain maps where they may not have as many open spaces or... uh, 
when they swap up to some of those other versions of it where they do have those like teleport ins and stuff like that where they can play tight mm -hmm. corners and 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 do it that way i mean there are instances where you could easily just play like high tempo rush stuff and you could just run both like solo players down and win fights like that i mean it's going to take long and that sucks so certainly on you know maps like junker town if you pull that i mean good luck but i Soul wins. I think Guangzhou looks pretty solid in the process, though. It's 3-1 for me, mm. but I think at least another map looks close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. 3-1, 3-2 even doesn't seem to be that far away. Once again, it's Soul. Once again, it's like charge that we, where we don't also don't know. Like, yes, the homestand thing comes in. Yeah, I don't know. Like, this, this is a... This is definitely a game where I see myself changing the score after Friday. There's too much going against them. Like, yeah, if they come out and they slap Philly, like, is even is, is that enough of a reflector, or or is it such a dominant form that you can kind of confidently say they're gonna match up well against like this wonky soul comp? It that's that's the weird thing with these like kind of gotcha teams where it's like they're so stylized that like yeah you might look good form wise in a lawless or a lawful you know environment, but when you go to the, the the outback and you know there's alligators everywhere and knives and stuff like well i don't know what that analogy was but here we are okay. you went you you heard junkertown yeah. and you just went with it man uh, yeah know, maybe it was, it was just some sort of freudian <laughs> run i don't know it was bizarre yeah okay so i i think whatever you think about the next match especially in the severity of the outcome sort of tells a story of how you guys conceptualize the Hangzhou Spark now. Okay, yeah. So, I guess two-part question. Mm -hmm. Is the Spark the real deal? And is it really only on Shy unlocking the potential of this team? Or is there more to it? And why does that happen once a head coach is released? Maybe Joe starts because this is a little bit spicier. Um is it just on shy no i think he's been a, a, a gigantic piece that they've you know had and just didn't use for whatever reason um i think if a head coach has a very clear way that they want to play a game and is thrown into a roster rather than building it out um and that's kind of how i perceive spark the plate i don't actually know for sure but that's that's what i see through the messaging through through their gameplay where you're not seeing like these clear like starters actually playing it seems like it was a decision actively made for you know structure reasons when that's removed and you do get an influx of talent like a shy um you know ha actually starting gusha full-time like that's important that's it's very powerful and that can do a lot for a team and you can see bounce back like this. It doesn't help matters that Shy is not only showing more than we've ever seen, but also is playing extremely well, right? Like who's who was gonna say you know, who is actually gonna put their I don't I see the CEO in chat. I see Kenobi Cast down there. I don't think he would have said that, you know, this this kid had an echo behind him. And he's actually playing well on projectile, which is insane. Yeah. Um when you look at this DPS lineup, you look at Architect, very similar story coming in, being this Genji prodigy coming in and actually having a hit scan presence. Same thing with Shy, but just in reverse, right? Having a really, really strong and dominating hit scan presence, but actually still able to play some projectile if need be. That's that's some different stuff. Okay, apparently he was gonna. I don't know how, but apparently the the, the juice lord doth flow, right? Like I don't know. 
Um, he'd be the only one. I think he's the only one that would have predicted that. Um, I don't think it's just just him in particular. I think he gets a lot of the, uh, the a lot of the praise because of how well he's performing, um, and how just just dominant he looks as a rookie. But I think allowing a little bit more roster freedom, not having such a, a rigid structure, which again, it is speculative. I don't know for sure, but just from the way that they played in those first couple of weeks, it did seem like there was some, some chains kind of put on these players and they weren't allowed to kind of really utilize their full roster. It's going to be hard to continue to utilize this full roster, but it's working thus far and it looks really really good i know this is hero pools and i have opinions on that we'll have to see again once we reset for summer showdown if they continue but again this is the spark that i assume that we were going to see and i don't I'm, I'm not surprised that they're performing as well as they are so I feel like this is probably the first time that i've listened to joe speak for longer than 60 seconds and every point he made i was like yes <laughs> I mean, that still hasn't happened to me. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few years. <laughs> I, I will say personally, uh, I, I've, I've been high on Shy for a long time. Uh, I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to cast uh, Chinese contenders uh, back in the day and saw a lot of Shy. I can remember a lot of late night talks, me, Volamel, and Kenobi. I'm sure many people have had these mm -hmm. talks with Kenobi. Uh, but you know, at least the three of us, from my personal perspective, you know, speaking about Shy in particular for a long period of time, um, on more than one occasion, talking about the potential that he has, what he can bring to the table, what he has to offer uh, to a lot of these teams that are struggling to find value with some of these mixed rosters, some of these uh, full Chinese rosters. Um, and that he could definitely be a, a centerpiece for a lot of teams, something that you can build around that uh, I think is is hard to find. Um, but Shy, I think now is showing that level of potential that we, you know, all the way back then, we were looking mm -hmm. at him and saying, man, just I, I can't wait till that day when he's eligible and he can go up there and and show what kind of impact he can have. I think we're finally seeing that. I do agree, though, it's not just Shy. I think it would be naive to assume that it is, um, but at least the praise he's getting, I think it is deserved because I think he is as good as people assume he is, mm. personally. Agreed. Right. Can, can, I, can I just collect scores from you from that particular <clears throat> match? I have it 3-1 Spark. I also have it 3-1 Spark. Yeah, I don't hate yeah. that score. I think it could be a 3-2 as well. Um... Most and definitely. then once again, like I'll reevaluate uh, based on the matches. Now, mm. okay, looking at the time, I mean, you guys heard me talk. Did you think you this was going to be like not the longest crouch ever? So, um, <laughs> the the one last thing that we need to talk about is there will be two names from the east and two teams from the names from the west that make it to the June Joust tournament. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the two Western teams will fly out to Hawaii. Yeah. For you, I guess we, we were in the East. Who are your favorites to be the two representatives of uh, that for the Eastern region? Okay, 
So at the top of this, I want to put a gigantic asterisk on this 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 messaging because I don't want any, you know, Twitter gremlins coming at me going, you predicted this on the show, but on your pickums, you predicted this. What gives? Because we don't have the bracket yet. For okay, sure. I'm not going to fall sure. claim to yes. not having a bracket because last stage I picked two teams that faced each other. Okay, so calm, calm, <laughs> nice. That, that was irritating. That. <laughs> I think I got one of those predictions right because I don't know. I don't even remember who it was, but yeah. On the outset, tentatively, um, from the West, I would say uh, Houston's 3-1, Atlanta's 3-1. Um, I'll say shock through consistency. I don't think they're slowing down. I really like what I'm seeing from Glister. Um and if I'm saying that the Dallas Fuel are playing within their wheelhouse, this meta in the West is con- going to continue to run kind of this Winston stuff. Um, yeah, I'll say I'll say Shock Fuel as long as they you know play on opposite sides of the bracket that will be reflected in my pickums. Um, East, however, it gets a little bit wonkier. Um, I think Spark is a lock for me, pretty easy. And then it's a toss up between Shanghai and Seoul. I, and I think I'm going to defer a hard opinion on either one until after this weekend because i think what a what a frame to freeze on. oh my god <laughs> i mean saying soul is sort of getting possessed by a demon though so i i, I <laughs> but, just play off soul that's the thing you never know yeah um, like we didn't know the last time oh this is sort of convenient how this fell right i uh, should come back <laughs> Oh, that's the demon. Why is it so obnoxious? <laughs> <laughs> I I had my hands like up and just talking to the ceiling. Oh. I don't actually know what was was heard or you what. had just said you 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 predict either Shanghai or Dynasty, and then your eyes rolled back into your head and you froze. Sick. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, again, I, I I love <laughs> I love soul soul style. If they perform well in week eight, I think I'm going to double down and say that they could easily be uh, winning the whole thing. But if they underperform, it, it feels like it's going to flop to Shanghai. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll play on the safe side as my life tends to be, and I'll say uh, Spark and Dragons in the East. Curix, hmm. I'm on the opposite side. I feel like East is, I wouldn't say easy, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm less emotionally burdened by that decision. I feel like yep. Like I, I think I think Spark, you could say, is definitely high in the running. Uh, again, especially how how well any of these teams really do uh, in the coming weekend. But Dragons versus Dynasty, I think, is your only really tough decision, unless you really want to put one of the teams on the bubble, um, sure, into that uh, equation a little bit hev- uh, more heavily. But in my mind. I'm going to say, God, I hate it's it, tough. but I hate it, but I'm going to say Dynasty. Um, and I think the reason Y'all. being is that <laughs> this goofball is going to say Fusion. He's, he's like, well, this... Springbok, bro. Everett's spell is too strong, dude. Like this requires some like a Ouija board, like holy water. I don't know what's going on here. Dude, right. Okay. So. I don't think that if Dynasty makes it through, if they continue to play the exact same style, mm. I don't think that they wind up doing super, super hot in Hawaii if they mm. make it through. Okay. Um, 
But I think that they have the potential to skate through vacation team style and <laughs> and they can do that I, I i don't think that i would have a problem with anyone saying shanghai um and really i don't think i would have much of a problem with anybody saying like charge or even fusion in some instances to be honest sure. with you depending on how they do this weekend mm-hmm. my problem though is trying to come up with something for the west because i think there are genuinely too many teams that can make it like yep. conceivably i think You'd be hard pressed to not see Shock make it, and certainly, if Gladiators continue, and if Gladiators certainly win against Boston decisively and go four zero, then I could see Gladiators definitely being like a shoe in uh, mm-hmm. for that conversation of just you know skating through. But I mean, it's hard to say Fuel don't deserve a spot in that conversation. It's hard for me to say even Atlanta doesn't deserve a spot sure. in that conversation. Um, and it's those last three teams for me. I mean, even Boston, but I would be probably thinking rain fuel before them. Um, just off of gut feeling and mm-hmm. at least for fuel consistency purposes, you know, going into this meta playing effectively something so similar to what they were already successful with. Um, so shock for me is is a given personally, and then it is just a straight up clash between gladiators, rain, and fuel for who winds up making it for the West. And genuinely, I don't think I could decisively tell you at this current moment yeah. without knowing the result of Boston versus gladiators because that could just immediately change everything for me. Hundred percent. Okay, so. Let's start with the West, so I I don't have Eric so flopping around this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets. Um, Shock is the easy one, I think. Right. Yep. Um, that's the one that, like in my mind, okay, let's let's logically th- think this through step by step. They're winning their next two games, their first seed. They will only have to play once. One of the three one teams. We'll discuss uh, who I think those will be. Gladiators, in my book, also getting a 4-0. Those are the, like, based on map score, they might even the, uh, be first seed, even though I think they will drop more maps at least this w- uh, week. Mm-hmm. So that would put them in the second seed. They would also have to only play one game. Uprising, I think, are getting in based on the victory against uh, uh, Paris Eternal. Rain are already qualified. Um, and the Outlaws are two. Yeah. Now... I think the sixth team is spicy and it's likely going to be the fuel. And then fuel as last seed. As a uh, last seed, no, no. I have that personally. Yeah, they could, could. Yeah, I think like 3 1 will be required to get in here. Um, and then based on the maps, especially the Vancouver series, yeah, no, they will, ha- they will actually be third seed. Third or fourth. Um, hmm. Yeah, this is tough, but I don't see, like, I feel like whoever that is, I feel confident that both Shock and Gladiators have an advantage against either of those teams, including Fuel. Mm. So, uh, my, my prediction is, like, Shock Gladiators, uh, based on what I've okay. seen, and... Also, still carrying the burden of Scrimbox with me from the preseason that Gladiators fi- 
finally actualize their potential, get those sweet, sweet bonus wins, and make my preseason power rankings look less idiotic. Um, <laughs> but, okay. I, yeah, Gladiators is definitely the wild card here. Now, for the East, mm. I don't understand you guys with Seoul, dude. Like, especially <laughs> at, at the cost of sh- uh, Shanghai, just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Because... Wait, styles the, win you tournaments. The the team that has this this uh streak still going from last season and like participating You're in all those You're not saying who's the better team though. If you ask me who's the better team, yeah. I'll tell yeah. you Shanghai. If you yeah. ask me who's going to make it through to Hawaii, I think Seoul. That's huh. the difference. It's the question you're asking. Yes, but I think the class of tournament play for the Dragons also historically against the dynasty, just sure. like ekes out that it could be a close series for sure. Uh, they always seem to have those, but like you, you trusting in Moon Moon, huh? Is that what you're really trying to do right now? I mean, he, the the man has been doing a lot to not earn my trust with <laughs> with those recruitments, and um, I mean, you, it's, you excited to see who are you play again? Good old 2017 throwback. Oh, man, here's what I will say. One of us is second on the global pick'em leaderboard, <laughs> and the other one of us, and the other one of us, forgets to lock in every week. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like it's ah, uh, this is this is rough. And maybe it's not as obvious as as I thought it would be. Um, Maybe, maybe it's also dragons and dynasty. That's also a possibility, right? That like sure, it's possible. I don't yeah, know, like possible. for sure that the spark, like, are this ab- absolutely changed team, and shy can never be stopped under any circumstances and whatnot, right? Um, I also really, really want Avril's take to be wrong consistently about the dynasty. <laughs> Why do you hate this boy so much? I know. I, this, it's Leave just, him alone. Uh, would it not suck if, if this was once again a meta where they just can run Roadhog into a final? I don't know. Depends on if you're a soul fan. Like, like it, if you, I'm just hoping you, that people in my rank queues just aren't watching Overwatch uh-huh. League at this point because I don't want them to see what they're doing and think that that's just how things work. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you're going to see, if Dynasty does well with this, if they can make it to Hawaii, if they perform well in Hawaii with that, then, I mean, the chance, okay, what are the realistic chances, I mean, I guess there is RNG involved, what are the realistic chances that you can't play just full-blown chaos comps in the future? I mean, that's probably going to be the easiest kind of composition to, to theorycraft and pull out in any tournament because there are fixtures that enable rush if you don't have lucio if lucio's banned you're not playing rush you're screwed out of that comp it's done if you don't have uh winston your dive chances are super minimal i mean there are ways that you could do it sure but certainly not as good when you don't have winston maybe even uh zarya and diva are, are major features of that as well but totally chaos comp i mean hog Ball, Diva, uh, you could do it with Sigma still. There's so many different things and so many DPS work, so many different supports work. 
Mercy probably being one of the ones that I would be really looking for. If Mercy gets out, then maybe you can't do this, but I don't mm. know. You probably still could. Um, do other teams try to do this? That's the question. I mean, if they do well with it, why not just do that too? Mm-hmm. And then we just have ins- insanely dumb playground Overwatch gameplay for the next tournament where it's just like fights take like three minutes to finally break down and carts get pushed mid-fight. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like just like last year, just like playoffs, Justice making that that Cinderella run, and everybody kind of jumping on the bandwagon, and it just gets real crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, think that's gonna happen, but it's possible, man. The, the, my thing is like, yes, you can play chaos comps, and all of that is fine. I'd like you just to have more than two chaos comps. That's not very Fair. chaotic of you, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if if you're if you were actually like balls to the wall crazy, like Chengdu used to be yes that's now like something that's unpredictable if you keep running this like dude have people have footage of you i don't know if you know these games are scrimmed (laughs) but like that actually works and um like it's like shock found very easy ways to uh play around gesture on the hog uh in that final so it was also given the time to find Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe the equivalent is not really like super nice, yeah. but like, yeah. I I am also not. I think Prophet did pretty well on Reaper. I don't think it's a pick he can necessarily like carry those series on. Where oh, speaking of, didn't Soul run Bastion on Junker Town? A, a defense. Yeah. Briefly, Check. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think I think they're full chaos. You know what? I'm gonna change my prediction. I think it's Spark Dynasty. Spark Dynasty. Okay. Yep. I think Soul has some some extra tricks that they haven't shown yet. If they're pulling out Bastion, I don't bro. feel like that's a different comp that much. Where they pull like, Bastion out though? Where they pull it out? Junker Town defense. They almost full held NYXL. Granted. Um, but yeah, just being able to break that out and saying that, yes, I'm I'm willing to play this against arguably one of the best teams in the world. Well, oh, damn it. again, in like a very broad scope, not just in the league. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a sign that this team is really, really thinking outside the box. And I think that I've I've wanted to see more teams try stuff like this because I think people have forgotten how to beat it. It shouldn't work 100 percent. Shouldn't be successful, but you have to know, you have to kind of do and execute what you need to do to beat these comps. And I think a lot of teams haven't been uh, certified in a lot of these, these, these checks and balances, right? I, I think, I think Soul, Soul's got some extra tricks. Chad, now I'm sweating because like, I want my <laughs> Preds to be, you, I, I, I want my you. Preds to be good, as good as possible in order to compete. <laughs> and I just realized that Joe had one of those moments where he was just kissed by the gods on the forehead and had this <laughs> eureka like third eye situation where he's rarely wrong in those cases. So maybe I will like that's also by the way locking in whoever gets there like that's that's the last thing you do like three seconds before it's no longer possible. Yeah. Right? Like I, I, I I'm fighting the urge to just to do it now and lock it in and then forget about it. But I know that the second I do that, it's gonna be like Spark Soul first matchup. I'm like, bruh, like come on, give me <laughs> give me give me some slack. Come on. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. No. I I I, I think for me for my money so far, I would say, think just like based on how the de- demeanor of those teams, it's Spark Dragons for me. 
And if it mm. wasn't Spark Dragons, then the next li uh, most likely would be Spark Dynasty. Um, ah. uh, sorry, Dragon's Dynasty. Um, ah, okay. in, in that order. And to be fair, I don't hate Spark Dynasty either. I think that a bunch of other teams have like outside chances. Um, they got to step up. I mean, if, if you're saying, you know, Philly's performing extremely well in scrims, wouldn't be shocked to see them kind of rally back and do well. Yeah, and... it's a hard, rocky road where you, sure. at this point in the, in the results, can't really... Like, they only have 30% to make it even in, right? Like, it... do, you, do you think that they could be like a justice in like 2019 stage four where it's like, I would love to see this team advance because I think they are the best team, but their past performances have just basically cut all chances like, out and like this improvement won't be showcased don't know about the best team also don't know if i had that type of feeling after two matches yes it might feel a little bit underwhelming but um yeah like the problem with like the justice stuff especially like in season two was the meta completely changed you had like a seven match uh stage where they went six one slapped the titans and stuff mm -hmm. and then you couldn't see them in playoffs. That hurts way more than oh, a team trances their opponents for two totally. matches, right? Like so, yeah. In that order, like it's it's not too bad of a uh, situation there, right? I think with that, we're pretty much covered. That we're at two hours forty. Um. Now, of course, things left to be done are asking what you guys are up to. So, Hurix. <laughs> Here's, here's your, you made it through the four, two hour 40 gauntlet. Now we have your 30 seconds to self-promote. <laughs> we still have, uh, let me see, 79 people at least will see this. So okay. here's, here's My entire stage. Twitter following at this point. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, definitely if you guys want to see me uh, a little bit more, the easiest way to do that would be to follow me on Twitter. But the big thing would be to uh, support Tier 2 contenders. Uh, I cast NA and EU. We're starting things back up uh, relatively soon. I don't think the, the dates might be announced at this point, but just assume that there's a tournament this month after Trials completes, which it should be completed tomorrow, uh, whenever June 2nd is. Uh, today. Uh, today. And... Uh, yeah, and then if anything beyond that, um, Twitter is probably the easiest way. 29, 20, uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even count in the right direction. Don't mind me. Joe, just tell me what you're going to do in the next couple of weeks or what you did already this week. Um, uh, shout out to Korea and Valorant doing well. Excited to right. see a new turn performing well. Um, excited to see the region kind of flourish a little bit more. Um, coming into Berlin. Um, so check out my piece on GG Recon, kind of maybe pointing you in a direction, you know, if you're a Korean esports fan and looking for a team to support, a couple little uh, little tidbits out there, um, uh, you know, regarding that. Um, for Overwatch, uh, I definitely need to basically film the the 60 short analysis again. I have a few scripts written, um, just need to actually do it. Um, so expect that sometime soon to kind of start back up and get back in the swing of things now that I feel a little bit more comfortable with the meta. Um, and then, yeah, just working on stuff and then playing, uh, playing a little bit of TBC. So, yeah, nice. that's nice. pretty much it. Yeah, as for me, like, as I alluded to early in the episode, tomorrow there's going to be like a little listicle feature of like the, the measured developments or the things like you want to keep your finger on the pulse on. In terms of like what changed this season and 
what kind of storylines or like changes might be relevant for the rest of the season and then potentially going forward. That's coming out tomorrow before the games. Um, otherwise, post-match interviews, at least two, possibly four this week. We'll see how it goes. Have been a lot of fun um, doing those. Like uh, Teams have been pretty open about them. Feedback has been pretty positive, so uh, check those out on GG Recon on the YouTube channel. Um, otherwise, thanks for watching for this chaotic first episode. I guess, I guess for us, for me and Joe, like <laughs> we, we'll struggle through this. This will be a struggle bus for a bit. It's, I think it's pretty safe to say that we will stay on YouTube just because it makes the most sense that we're yeah. um, going to avoid like uh, using John's channel. Um, we are looking at firing up Sp Spike Drop again soon enough. We're, um, of course, like looking to see, like for in, in, I don't know about you, Joe, but for me, it feels like this is our Overwatch Two opportunity, where like after yep. such a such a huge change to the fabric of this podcast, there's also an opportunity to, um, like rethink things and like think about what we what works or what changed and how we how we can incorporate certain uh, aspects. Um, otherwise, thanks a ton to the people that continue supporting this podcast, um, even on this new step. Uh, I think probably the most reliable case, if you want to support this, is still Patreon. Um, that's... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, that's patreon.com slash tactical underscore crouch, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. And, of course, we already have some supporters. Which goes, which go by the name of Refined Bean, Frodinu, Battlecrab, Lulshin, Rex Zane, Sir Gerthelord, Pogshop Sammy, Kasha C Seven, Chara, Nathan, Your Misery, Fabled Steven, Roger B, Chris R three four 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 four, Bronzebot, Buhau, Hotel Bravo one one, Hunter Tain, Yiskus Appa, Santa Chower Gel, and of course our beloved uh, Discord mod that also gets me frequently with like bad, like debate jokes, chonk. Um, thanks a lot for your support, and I think the, the stuff we're cooking up, you will hopefully enjoy. There's a lot, lot of moving parts. We'll figure it out eventually. Yep. Thank you for watching this almost three-hour podcast. We'll see you <laughs> next time. Bye. <laughs>